certainly is Tuesday morning in London town. A lot to get through this morning. A lot, of, especially as I'm only keeping one of my listeners for an hour. He said, he said, I, I, I listened to you for an hour, and then he moved somewhere else. I'm quite hurt by that, actually, Freddie. I'm not even sure I w- wish to be speaking ever again. But uh, I do have his phone number, so I can just send abusive texts, which is so much easier. Anyway, the news that came, just, just to bring you up to date, if you have just woken up, I know a lot of you wake up at four o'clock in the morning, specifically for this programme, and you've probably heard the tail end of, of uh, Duncan, and you probably know that there's been an explosion in America. I think there were actually three explosions. I think I counted three on the television. Well, two or three, whatever it was... It was certainly more than one. This was at the end of the Boston Marathon. So I thought, if we hang on to Rupert Bartia, just for a few more minutes, just to bring us up to speed with what's going on. Two explosions, three. Um, well, well, you're both right and wrong, Steve. Um, to begin with, the very first uh, press conference that was given by, um, by the Boston City Police Commissioner, uh, he actually said his exact words were something along the lines of, there have been three explosions and we're linking them all together. So there were the two explosions that happened at the finish line of the Boston Marathon and then there was, at the time, thought to be a third explosion that happened at a local library, the JFK Library in Boston. Right. Uh, That was later discounted as a mechanical failure. Um, No one was injured at that particular incident. Linked to the first two? No, no longer linked to the first two. They did say it was and it was thought along those lines for a few hours, but... uh, but at around midnight UK time, they decided that it, they were standing down that part of the investigation. Right. And do we know what these bombs were? Maybe give, I mean, I don't know what, what security they have in Boston, but presumably somebody was able to get in under the stands, do we think it was? Really, really very difficult to know. And what is interesting is the authorities in the US haven't actually described them as bombs. They're still officially explosions. Some are suggesting devices, but the word bomb and the word terrorist officially have not been used. Because nobody's claimed responsibility. Well, possibly because no one's claimed responsibility. Also, because it's really very hard to know at this point of time. Some reports have suggested um, that ball bearings were found, which really would indicate uh, that they were certainly bombs. The fact there were two explosions very, very close together, a matter of seconds apart, uh, perhaps would also suggest that they could have been bomb-like um, components, but but at the moment, factually, they are still explosions. Because this is strike well, The moment you mentioned ball bearings, it it goes back to me for Soho with the nail bombers, and yeah. uh, where people pack their explosive devices with things which cause more havoc than the actual explosion. Shrapnel, yeah. Um, the same happened at the London bombings, uh, as yes. I'm sure everyone remembers. Um, and that's the, the dangerous thing, because once you, f- once you see explosions um, anywhere, really, on the television, on the radio, or hear about them, you automatically think terrorists, you automatically think bombs. Uh, and it's really, it's, it's imperative that, that the investigation is allowed to take its, um, its natural course, really, to, to discount everything else before yes. they've come to the conclusion that, yes, this was this or this wasn't what we know. What we do know is Barack Obama, the US president, um, addressed the nation, if you like, uh, a couple of hours after the incident, and he pledged to track down whoever, whatever, or whatever group was responsible and bring them to justice. Okay. So far, three lives have been claimed? Yeah. uh, Officially, again, um, they are quite reluctant to to give us a running commentary Mm. on how many people have been affected. We know for sure that that uh, figure is currently three. Reports in the US, this is uh, various US media outlets, um, suggesting that that number is considerably higher. Uh, we know that there's more than 100 people that have been injured. Again, reports in the US suggesting that figure is uh, is higher. They're quoting various hospital sources. But whenever there's one of these really major news stories, um, until you get the official word on the exact figures, it's it's really very difficult to uh, to be quoting anyone. 
Okay, well, we'll we'll keep you up to speed if if the situation because this is this occurred eight o'clock our time just before about ten to eight UK time. Yeah, three hours after the uh, the very best athletes had just finished the marathon. Right. So, in other words, people then I mean, people evacuated the stands. If it if it changes over there, we will we will cross live to America and bring you any updates that are going on. But at the moment, uh, it's now up to the FBI to start trying to to disassemble everything and find out exactly what it was that caused this or exactly who was responsible. Certainly is. Um, yeah, Barack Obama. Obama, U.S. President, pledging uh, every uh, element of uh, funding and help from the uh, the White House uh, as much as he can. The FBI taking control, and um, and we'll see a lot more throughout the rest of the morning. Are they going to cancel our marathon? I only ask because I mentioned to Duncan earlier on that I've sponsored a couple of people in this building. Actually, somebody works for another radio station, and our head of show business, uh, Charlie, and I've said that I've, and a, a lot of money goes to charity. And so I would hate to see them cancel that. They're reviewing, are they? Um, yeah, they're reviewing. Um, as Duncan mentioned, he spoke to the chief executive of the, uh, of the London Marathon, Nick Battelle, uh, late last night. And um, he said, at the moment, there are no plans to cancel it. It will be going ahead as we speak. Um, the Metropolitan Police uh, and organisers of the marathon are reviewing their security operation, as you mentioned. They're a bit stretched, aren't they, at the moment, the police? First of all, we had them out the other day for the demonstration in Trafalgar Square. We'll have them out on the town tomorrow for the funeral of Margaret Thatcher. And then on Sunday, the police officers, again, I mean, great opportunity to earn lots of extra overtime. But frankly, they're woefully undermanned, the police force. Well, well, yeah, this, this could well become a political point because uh, obviously uh, it's something that, that has been spoken about, but we're yet to see whether um, they are stretched and, and whether that has a, an effect on operational duties. Excellent. Rupert, thank you for that. Thanks. Very grateful. We had to hang on to Rupert. Just to, just to bring you up to speed, if you've just woken up, before you put on the television or anything else, you'll hear it first on LBC 97.3. And if the situation changes, then we'll cross live to America and I'll bring you up to date with any more developments in that. It's the front pages of all the papers, because it occurred 8 o'clock our time. Most of the papers go to bed about 9 o'clock. And so that's about their sort of deadline. Some of them 9.30, they could probably push it. So they've managed to get it on the front. For the simple reason, if this had just been a normal day, then it wouldn't have been covered by anything. But because it was the Boston Marathon and because it's, it's quite a, a big event in the marathon catalogue, it was, it was actually being covered by all the TV cameras. So there you go. Actually, talking of things being covered by TV cameras, I left home earlier on, two people behaving very strangely on the streets of Twickenham. I even said to my driver this morning, who, frankly, I've never had this driver before, but in the space of 35 minutes, I knew more about him than was probably healthy. I knew where he was going on a holiday, I knew he was going to a stag do, I know where he lives, I know he's, uh, he's trying to get back with his girlfriend, and I know he eats a lot of protein. In fact, strangely enough, I mentioned his protein diet, because it's very rare that people tell you what they have for breakfast. And so I mentioned to my friend who does marathons here in the building, there are, there are some fit people in this building, I sadly am not one of them. And especially as Freddie kept looking in the mirror, looking and describing people with pot bellies. I'm not sure if it was pot, kettle and black. But anyway, so he was, you know, because I just looked at the back of his head. And I was talking to a friend of mine. I said, and I've had this driver this morning called Freddie. I said, and he tells me for breakfast he had a steak and nuts. And he said, protein. I said, what, for breakfast? Steak? He said, yeah. He said he obviously goes to the gym. I said, well, I felt vastly overweight. I felt like sort of, you know, Moby Dick sitting in the back of the car. I felt a bit depressed by the whole thing. But uh, he was telling me he's doing the knowledge. And he felt quite good this morning. But the danger of working overnight, as anybody will tell you, whether you're a milkman, Kevin, or whether you're driving a car, Freddie, or whether you're driving a bus or whatever, it's you get hungry. 
And if you're sitting down doing your job on your bum, you're not actually going to get any exercise. There used to be exercises for presenters, believe it or not, so that you could sit here, because we spend a lot of time sitting down. In fact, actually, I spend all my time sitting down. I don't spend any time standing up at all during this programme, because it's not like when you see it on the television. It used to be a bloke, I think, played by Jack Kerouac, and he he was, I think it was called Late Night Caller. And he played a phone-in presenter in America, and he spent all his time walking around the studio. Because he obviously had radio-controlled headphones, but we can't do that. I'm attached by a piece of wire. I could probably make it to the door without pinging back like on a giant piece of elastic, and that's about as good as it gets, I'm afraid. So you can't do that anymore. So I spent all my time sitting down, and then somebody said, don't worry, because you can do exercises while you're sitting down. I try and do it in the car, because I've got an automatic. And so I, I sometimes lift my feet off the floor. I'm sure it doesn't make the slightest difference. But this way, my stomach hasn't got any smaller. And I keep telling people, friends of mine, you go, definitely getting bigger. And I go, it's insulin. Insulin makes you fat. I'm totally convinced. I've been on the internet and I'm sure at some point I read on a diabetes website that insulin makes you put on weight. Because I don't think I'm eating any more food than anybody else. I mean, I'm trying to eat my vegetables. I try and eat healthily, but quite clearly I'm obviously eating rubbish somewhere along the line. This morning I've got some little, little satsumas and a bottle of water. And some pink wafers, which isn't, isn't probably the best thing to have at this time of the morning. But, but it is easy if you're driving around or not. You just get hungry. You just get hungry. And so a lot of the drivers eat all the rubbish food that's on offer. And to be honest with you, it's really bad. But this, this guy, Freddie, he has protein shakes before he goes to bed. I've never met anybody who has a protein shake. But he was, he was what I would call a Jack the Lad. It's only because I get in the car and he goes, you Steve Allen? You go, I'm Freddie. I thought, I've never been introduced to the driver before. Generally, I get in, I get morning, and I go morning, and that's it. And I just close, chat, 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 chat. I was quite exhausted by the time I got here. I was really quite exhausted. I was pointing out all the nightclubs and all the rest of it. And he wanted to go to one nightclub where they had, you know, young ladies who wore practically nothing. And uh, so uh, that could have laid everybody's cards out on the table. So th- th- that was this morning's journey in. So I feel like I've done a conversation before I've even got here. And then, of course, we, we come in and we get this story on the front of the uh, the papers. So we will be looking at that a little bit later on. They say the worst uh, terror attack since 9-11, shaken Boston. It's on the, it's the front page of every single paper this morning. If the situation changes, then you will hear it first on LBC 97.3. Plus, we'll tell you what Nick Ferrari's up to this morning, including this dreadful story of three teenagers who kick a man to death in Liverpool for a dare. This is, I think, a 14-year-old, a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old. They kick him to death. There's a homeless man in a doorway for a dare. And you, you know, sometimes things go round in your head and you think to yourself, do you know, hanging would be too good for you. How you could ever do that to somebody, I've got no idea. And what they'll be looking at today, I suppose, is, you know, I mean, there was a 14-year-old who stabbed somebody in a park last year. And you think, it was all different when I was 14. We didn't go round doing these kind of things. It just, it just didn't occur. Not for any, you know, for any, for no logical reason why people do stuff like that. They're going to talk about homelessness with, uh, with Nick. And, uh, and also because of Mrs Thatcher's funeral tomorrow, there have been various groups who said they're going to throw things at the coffin. A little bit unwise. A little bit unwise. And all they'll do is be arrested and thrown into prison. So, a little bit stupid to do that. But you can't help people of limited intelligence. There's not really a lot you can do about it. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. In a moment... Surprisingly, I'm going to tell you who won, because I didn't have the faintest idea what the answer was to yesterday's gadget giveaway. I really didn't. I'm not much better on today's, I'm afraid. So we'll see how you do, and I'll tell you what we've got to give you in the gadget giveaway after this. LBC 97. Answer no. 
I didn't. 84850, uk. Morning, welcome to Tuesday morning. It's LBC 97.3, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. And in between the the sad news, there is other news and other stories coming in, so we'll get round to those a little bit later on. Uh, plus, we have our gadget giveaway for today. Now, yesterday on the programme, Alan Arnold from Hayes. It sounds like such a, a show business name, doesn't it? Arnold Arnold from Hayes correctly identified that pumpernickel is a type of bread. He got himself a fabulous mobile phone watch. State of the art. He's going to absolutely... Like, in, in Hayes, they're going to be going... <gasps> they're going to be uh, so over the top with that. So uh, we'll tell you what today's gadget giveaway is in a moment. But Nick Ferrari, these three teenagers who've uh, have been sentenced for kicking a homeless man to death in Liverpool. Nick will be ask, asking who's to blame for the tragedy. Plus, the day before her funeral, don't miss a special LBC report on how communities in the north of England are responding to Margaret Thatcher's death. Looking at the papers today, political columnist for the Daily Mail, Quentin Letts will be in, and it will be Boston all the way through, no doubt. They will be talking about that. This came in, of course, after. So they're going to have to reorganise the breakfast show this morning, and they'll be... Uh, about 141 injured, they've said, at the moment. 141 people injured, and uh, one of them uh, a boy of eight. That's what's so sad about the whole thing. It's, it's the innocent taking of a child's life. Uh, also, the story of the man who is... Um, he's big. He owns five cars. Peter Owens has been stopped by police five times in seven months, banned from driving for three years. I mean, they're quite clear the man's an idiot. He says, I like big cars. He's a, an obese benefit claimant, but he owns four, five cars worth £20,000. And he's a benefit claimant. I mean, to be honest with you, I can't quite understand. I thought the whole idea, I mean, why we've got benefit? You look at the stadium and you think, what are you a benefit claimant for? He, he's boasted about his uh, benefit-funded lifestyle. Are we stupid? So I was saying to this, this driver, the Freddy, this morning, I said, we have to get up and go to work in the morning. We don't necessarily want to get up and go to work, but you do it, so at least you've got a purpose in life. He's doing the knowledge, he's driving around at the moment, he's a, he's a heating engineer or something, or air conditioning, something like that. Anyway, he could probably make more money doing something else like that. But this guy's from North Yorkshire, he's got no insurance, he was, he, he's not even insured to drive it. And then he was poaching with other people. Well, I think we know what sort of person he is, don't we? W- would we have a rough guess at, at where he comes from? He's, he's covered in tattoos and he's a benefit claimant. He then was driving along a beach in Teesside. The man's too stupid. He is too stupid for words. And they haven't actually... I mean, he actually has been given £1,000 to redecorate his home. I tell you, I'm going on to benefits. It's quite clearly the best way forward, isn't it? I mean, the man's an idiot. The judge had him a suspended sentence because of his health problems. The, the health problem he's got is because he's taking the mickey out of us. That's the health problem. I'll show you a blooming health problem, mate. Physical and mental health. Well, what's he doing driving? What's he doing driving? The man's an idiot. The man's a complete... He looks like an idiot. He looks a bit stupid. So he's got five cars. He doesn't work. And we, we've just given him a grand to job his house. Somebody's having a laugh somewhere, aren't they? Taking the wee-wee, I think, in a, in a case like that. I mean, it just, drives, it just drives me insane to the point of distraction where people get off their bums every day and get out there and do a job and a lazy little toe rag like him doesn't do anything and just sort of take... We, because we're stupid enough to give it to people. Because we're stupid enough to give people money. We're stupid enough to hand it over. You know, as far as I, I tell you, if I was running it, I'd be, I'd be having people off benefits left, right and centre. Be no messing around at all, I'm afraid. <coughs> so the first people would be uh, single parents. 
I'll be ta- what, do you, what, what, what do you mean? It's your fault you got yourself pregnant. Why should we pay for it? Why should I pay for your lifestyle? Take the money away. Well, I can't afford to live. Well, you shouldn't have got yourself pregnant, then, should you? Can't afford to have a child? Don't blimmin' have one, for God's sake. Anyway, let's cheer myself. I need to cheer myself up. I'm so depressed this morning, honestly. It's been a stressful day already. So today, in the gadget giveaway, after Alan Arnold from Hayes correctly identified that pumpernickel is a type of bread, he got this mobile phone watch. It's a fantastic piece of kit. Now, today, the gadget that everybody wants to get their hands on, it's the Apple iPad Mini. I know you like this one. I like this one, too, because I have an Apple iPad Mini. So one person will win it at uh, 6.30 this morning. And you need to know the answer to this question. Then I'll tell you how, you how you go about entering the gadget giveaway. What type of food is manchego? What type of food is manchego? OK. <laughs> That's what I thought. Uh, to enter this one, you text the word gadget, G-A-D, G-E-T, followed by your answer, and send it to 84850. So you text the word gadget, and then your answer to what type of food is manchego, M-A-N-C-H-E-G-O. What type of food is manchego? And so you text the word gadget, then your answer, and then you send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. Text will cost you pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time... You won't be entered, but there is a chance that you could be charged. Go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, for full terms and conditions. Kevin the Milkman says, I do run up and down stairs in office blocks and tenement blocks, Steve, but I eat all the wrong things at the wrong times. Biscuits, crisps, and usually have dinner about 5pm and I go to bed at 6. All of those naughty carbs and a bit of middle age thrown in. See, the trouble is, do you think there was a... You remember the guy who dropped dead at one of the marathons the other day? He was 23, and his family said he was fit as a fiddle. Because I never see happy people in marathons. In this country, people run and they jog and, and you think, you don't look happy to it because I think it's quite stressful. As I say, I've got two people in this building who are running in the marathon on Sunday. It will go ahead. There will be extra security. But I, th- I think we need to be vigilant all the time anyway. And so what, what would be nice is if definitely it went ahead and then all the charities get the money, which is due to them. I myself have, uh, I think I've promised about 100 quid on this one. But then I think of it, you know, somebody else is doing the hard work. I couldn't run a marathon. And uh, and I was discussing with my friend Anthony on how difficult it is and how exhausting... He's going to cover himself in Vaseline. No, I tell a lie. That's that's nothing to do with the marathon at all. I think that's just a private thing he's having done. And uh, no, he said, you cover yourself in marathon. He said, because after you've run so far, he said, you get chafing, you get blood, you get all sorts... It sounded horrendous. Whatever it was, there was no incentive for me to ever run a marathon. And apparently people wet themselves and things like... We've had that before, though, haven't we? I've, I've seen Because I suppose if you've got to go, you, you have to go. And um, it's like people in the gym. Well, no, you know, people who... No, no, I'm not saying people in the gym wet themselves all the time. But they get so carried away with all this testosterone, and they start eating the protein shakes, get my drift ready. And, and you start thinking to yourself, I don't know, is there such a thing as being too fit... You know, and then you go beyond... I mean, I've known people who are bodybuilders and they start taking all sorts of strange substances to keep up this this huge shape which they divide. You know, it's, it's nice to have a great body. I mean, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not blessed with a, with a great body. You know, it's, it's not... The, I mean, some people have got a good body, some people haven't. You know, when I was younger, I had a great body. Well, I didn't really, but I mean, it kind of makes me feel better. I mean, Andrew Marr was talking about this after his stroke. He said that overwork and a very strenuous 
job led to a stroke. I'm I'm tempted to say maybe it's going out with your producer and having a bit of an old shandy, Andrew. You know, that's the one I was thinking of. I was thinking mainly that that would be the thing that would perhaps provide a little bit of stress. You know, as you keep a welcome. You know, that's the kind of thing I probably think adds to the stress. Because people do do it. I, when we used to work in Fleet Street, you could see people burning themselves out because most journalists were drunk. I don't think I would be telling a fib when I told you that there were various presenters on the television who used to read the news three sheets to the wind. We ourselves used to have quite a number of journalists from Fleet Street working on LBC who were three sheets to the wind when they did their programmes because the the uh, the problem that people had in Fleet Street was it was a bit of culture of hard drinking and that was women as well as men. And so all of a sudden, you know, we do get to this age. I was talking to somebody the other day. I said, is it funny? You get to a certain age, and it's probably about 45, 50, and you start thinking, I think I start looking after myself. And then you watch somebody. I mean, you should never, ever, ever, let me, you know, take my, take my advice on this one. I'm never wrong. But if you're not a fit person, you certainly don't start running a marathon. Do you remember when Jade Goody ran the marathon, and the night before she went out for curry? And you think, don't be stupid. You know, you're never going to run a marathon you know, having a curry. But it's a long, long time. This friend of mine reckons he'll do it in about five hours. I've got better things to do with my life, to be honest with you. But if it raises money for charity, I'm more than happy to pay. So, in fact, in terms of how much he's going to earn for charity, it's only about 50 quid, you know, he's, he's, he's fairly cheap. But he is above the lowest wage which they've now brought in. What have they offered? Is it £6 something per hour, the, uh, the legal minimum wage? And you can go and work for Pret-a-Manger for eight quid an hour. That's what they're paying. Do you know regional managers in Starbucks? 36 grand a year. 36 grand a year. Somebody on the counter serving a cup of coffee, eight quid an hour. Why would you bother going out there doing anything else? Well, you can go and pull coffee for somebody and make eight pound an hour. A friend of the producers did the uh, Paris Marathon, three hours, 33 minutes, which I think is really good. Very, very good. Uh, that was Tom Tom Grills. His friend Adam was taken to the emergency tent. Because most of them collapse when they get to the finishing line, don't they? They sort of... It's so exhausting. You know, you've absolutely... You've pushed your body to the max. And that's about as far as it can go. I mean, it really is tough. It really is tough. You know, people go out there, but I think they become addicted to it. I mean, they were apparently trying to check all his vital signs. He was just saying, I just want to sit down, I just want to sit down. Because I've had that before. I've never done anything like a marathon. I couldn't run, I couldn't run a marathon. I'm not, my body isn't designed for things like that. I, mean, I used to get tired going to the gym. Just changing in the gym, I used to find quite exhausting. So, uh, not for me, I'm afraid. Not for me. A bit like the Peter Andre programme last night. I'm sure it was a repeat. It was Peter, you know, doing one of his dreary shows in Brighton. It was so boring. What amazed me, though, this was, I think... I can't work out if this was... Yeah, this was after his uh, brother Andrew had died. And strangely enough, his brother, OK, this is his brother Andrew, had never seen him perform live. And they were going to get him to come and see Peter Andre's show, and then he died. And, of course, Peter Andre is, you know, takes the camera with him everywhere. So, you know, practically by the graveside, we're there. We see him driving through the cemetery. And you think it's, it's a little bit public, this. It's a bit of a private moment. And then we saw Peter doing one of his shows. They look a bit lame. It has to be. One of them looked like he was doing it in a scout hut. And then he did a place down in Brighton. They said, oh, it's, it's, it's sold out. Well, I saw loads of empty seats. <laughs> loads of empty seats. And the funny thing is, Peter Andre does these little shows. And he's got his, his little fan base. And really exciting. And, and then you... Well, it is, well it's, I mean, I don't know how big his fan base is. But whatever it is, it, I think it's quite tiny, really. And yet, they can't get him into the charts. You cannot get Peter Andre arrested when it comes to music. Because the only person who thinks he does music is Peter Andre. 
Nobody else in the music business go. No, I'm sorry, Pete. It's very sweet, dear, but you might as well go. And the wheels on the train go round and round. She'll be coming round the mountain when she comes. You know, that's about as far as it goes. Because looking at the audience there, I mean, it was it was a bit lame. And Pete, I think, who who thinks he's Michael Jackson, but it's you know, and then it's his little girlfriend. I don't know, I'm not too happy about that relationship. But that's, you know, it's his business. But she, she's just a little bit too loving the publicity. Loving the publicity. But he's obviously quite easy to fool in that department, I suspect. You wait till the cameras disappear. He must go to pieces. He lives with the cameras. The cameras are with him all the time. A bit like this programme. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's 4.30. The news headlines with Rupert Bartia. Morning, 28 minutes to five. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. You're waking up to the news that the uh, finish of the Boston Marathon was a bloodbath. Three people confirmed dead at the moment and about 140 people have been wounded. Uh, So far, nobody's claimed responsibility. We'll bring you further updates this morning. Uh, on LBC 97.3. And if the situation changes, as I say, nobody's claimed responsibility, so they, they're very much playing down the fact that it was a bomb. They're just saying it was an explosive device, they think, packed with ball bearings. Uh, size, we know nothing about at the moment. We don't know how many there were. There were two explosions. There was a separate one at the library, so that is completely unconnected, they've now decided. So there were two, and uh, this occurred at 8 o'clock our time. 8 8 p.m. our time. So it's a number of uh, hours ago. Now the emergency service is on the scene. President Obama has uh, spoken and said that the perpetrators will be brought to justice and bear the full force of the law. But at the moment, they've got no idea who did it or why. So they have no idea at all. If anything changes, you'll hear it first on LBC 97.3. Joey Northwood says... uh, uh, a terrible news day from Boston, especially the loss of an eight-year-old boy. I think the loss of anybody's life, eight-year-old, is, is just particularly bad, I'm afraid, because it's somebody who hasn't even had a chance to get their life in order, has it? They haven't even... He hasn't had a chance to live or do anything, and that's what's so terribly tragic. That's why when Nick Ferrari, later on, is going to be talking, and they're going to... I think they'll be changing Nick's programme and probably concentrating very much on Boston, as well as the three teenagers who kicked and punched this homeless man to death for a dare... Uh, They're going to serve their sentence in a Young Offenders Institute till they're 21. And apparently the reason why they publish the names is because it serves the public interest better. Uh, I quite like the idea they publish people's names. They've also said they're going to stay in prison until the Home Secretary decides they can come out. I don't think they should ever be coming out. But I I don't quite understand the justice system in this country. I don't understand how you can physically attack somebody and murder them and then in a few years' time come out. The person who attacked... You remember Professor Green, who we featured on this programme quite a lot? The person who bottled him in a nightclub some years ago is out of prison. After three years. After three years, this person is out of prison. And you have to ask yourself the question, where is the, where is the justice? Where is the... Ju- you know, if, if you were that person, I should imagine Professor Green must be feeling particularly you know, irked by the whole thing, because there just doesn't seem to be any situation whereby you can go into court, somebody goes to prison, and then they seem to come out and just carry on with their lives, as if as if nothing has happened. It's terrible, really. Uh, 84850, steve at Joe says, what sort of people do this, kicking a pensioner to death? What type of people are we raising in society? Well, there's obviously a subculture. There's obviously a subculture of the society, and uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm... 
I'm as concerned as the next person, but I don't know if that's a sign of getting older. I don't know if that's a sign of me going, of course, when I was younger, it wasn't as bad as that, because people will tell you it probably was as bad. It's just that things didn't get reported in the same way. So nowadays, when you have pictures on the front pages of the newspapers of, of people committing these dreadful atrocities, years ago, we'd never had that. It was talked about, but certainly not in the way which it is now, because we've now got the, you know, a huge social media groups out there. We've got networking sites. We've got just about everything. You can go onto the internet and you can find out details about something which you knew nothing about before. You can f- and also you can go onto various chat sites and people will tell you what they think about it. People talk about things all the time. That's what, that's what makes it so interesting. Uh, 84850... Kevin says what happened in Boston is terrible. I did it on April the 15th, 96, which is the 100th edition. In four hours, 22 minutes, in very hot conditions. Six days later, I did London in four hours, 10, an unusual double. Boston's a lovely city. So, uh, you know, really absolutely terrible, terrible. And he said, uh, as well as marshalling the London Marathon Sunday, 17 miles, I couldn't get a place for the Karen Keating Foundation because it was Patriots Day in Boston. So my heart goes out to everybody. It's, it is terribly, terribly sad that things like this happen. But I think it's, it's an indication of the fact that we're not as vigilant as we should be. And that's why I was delighted when they said that the London Marathon will go ahead. There will be extra, extra security in force, but we're kind of stretching it to the limit. How on earth do you police such a huge event? How on earth do you police every bit of it? You know, do you police at the beginning? Do you police at the end? Do you have to have it swept? Do you have to have dogs coming? I mean, it's just... It costs a small fortune. It costs a small fortune. And, and, and in a week where the police are going to be stretched to their absolute limit anyway. 84850, uk. We'll take all your uh, texts and emails. Uh, Steve, I ran the marathon over 20 years ago. I've still got the blisters. Yes, I, I spoke to my friend Anthony, and he said... He said, people are sitting there, they're in agony at the end of the marathon because of the blisters and, and, and all the sort of problems that people... That's why they look so physically exhausted at the end of it. But if, if they raise money for charity, then that's the good side of it, isn't it? Front page of the Daily Mail today. They've all got the pictures because it was at the end of the Boston Marathon. They've got pictures here. Uh, seconds of each other. The street was packed because it was Patriots Day, as you know. And uh, now they say the United States is on full alert. So it means that they quite clearly weren't on full alert before. They say this is the worst outrage since, of course, the, the World Trade Center towers were destroyed in 2001. And so now Boston police have closed off the city as a danger zone. There's also the, uh, the police horse. This is Bud the Brave. This is the police horse. Do you remember the man yesterday who went and punched this horse during some, uh, some Liverpool... Uh, sorry, some Newcastle rioting by some of the fans up there. Anyway, a man has been arrested and bailed pending further inquiries. I don't think you need any further inquiries. He's here. You can picture him quite clearly attacking a horse. The man's a complete idiot. You know, these, I mean, these people have no place whatsoever in a football club in this country. Be it Newcastle United or Millwall or Chelsea. Because I remember in my experience of the, some of the Chelsea fans the other day. Uh, there's also... Uh, 41,000, what you need to earn to match the benefits that Labour wants. And here he is, Peter Owens. This is the man, five different high-powered cars without insurance. A complete idiot of the first order. And, of course, because of his illness, they haven't bothered arresting him and putting him in prison. It makes a mockery of this system, doesn't it? He's claiming huge amounts. I mean, he, um... He had a £1,000 to decorate his house. He's been stopped by the police five times in seven months, each time behind the wheel of a different car. 
I mean, somebody's having a laugh somewhere here. I, I just don't know. I don't know how on earth he's managed to get these things. He's been found guilty of blackmailing a car wash manager. And, um, it's, I mean, it's just ridiculous. He's also now been found guilty to five offences. No insurance, didn't produce a licence, no licence, failing to produce insurance. He was disqualified for driving for three years and fined 550 quid. So he's been, so, I mean, what, what do you reckon, ladies and gentlemen? The chances are that we're going to find him out on the road within about a week. Answer, pretty high, I should imagine. Pretty, pretty high. People on benefit that sit there saying, if I work, I need X amount of pounds to make, uh, to better my benefits, make my blood boil, Steve. You know, money is so much more valuable when you do an honest day's graft to get it. It's a shame, really. Motivation, confidence, energy. I've worked all my life, all but four months unemployed. I was at the stage of being prepared to work for free to do something. Job seekers should do charity work or something constructive during their unemployed time. So says Vince from Bromley in Kent. I mean, I was unemployed some years ago. I did have a period of unemployment. And it was very easy to get into the situation. This was a long, long time ago, as you can imagine. But it's very easy to get into the situation. I shared a flat in London with three girls who were dancers at Arts Educational, and they were going off to college every day and then supplementing their money by sort of dancing in London pubs and things like that as go-go dancers in the days when we had go-go dancers. And I found it incredibly difficult, after about the first three weeks, to motivate myself to get up in the morning, to actually get up out of bed and go and look for a job. And they used to say, the girl Diane used to say to me every morning, you're going to go and look for a job today? And I'd go, yeah. And the moment they went out the door, I was asleep again. Because it's very easy, because you go to bed really late, you know, because if, if you're staying in bed for half the morning, you're not going to be tired at the time you should be going to bed. So I'd be sitting up watching television, and, and then you'd just sort of fall asleep, and then when they'd all toddled off to work or to go to college, I'd be asleep again. To actually get up and go out looking for a job was extremely difficult. So I do understand the situation. I understand why some people... But I didn't ever once think of claiming benefits. I d- it never even crossed my mind. I worked on the assumption I had no money, therefore I had no money. Nowadays, people go, I've got a child, I think I'll claim benefits. I mean, a man here, it was, he looks perfectly capable of doing, it must be something he can do. He can't be that useless. There must be some sort of job that he can do where he sits down, you know, I'm a big man, I need a big car. Five cars and he's on benefits. It's just appalling. I mean, it just, I just feel so sorry for people who, who struggle you know, pensioners going, you know, well, I'd love to be in that situation, but I can't claim your benefits. No, some people are very good at cheating the system. Some people are very good. I want money for decorating my house. Why can't you just save up like everybody else? People, when I was talking to my driver earlier on this morning, we were talking about, you know, parents of, you know, of our parents' generation, perhaps not necessarily his parents, but my parents, certainly. There was lots of things that they did. If you couldn't afford something, some people did the HP some people did the never-never, you signed it. But you certainly didn't have loads of things on it. Nowadays, you can go into it. Did they not do a survey? Was it not one of the leading papers, the Sunday Times or something like that? Years ago, they did a survey. They, they, they took a 17-year-old girl and they sent her into the high street with her debit card to see how much credit she could get. And in an hour, she managed to get herself £26,000 worth of credit. It was that easy. You know where they say, spend £1,000 today. And so you go in there, you hand over your debit card, provided there's nothing the matter with you and you don't have uh, any debts against you, they give you credit. And, and you think, but you, you can't spend £1,000 every week. That's, once you've spent that £1,000, you're then going to spend the rest of your life 
paying it off. It just doesn't happen. And so parents from my generation, we didn't have clothes all the time. Nowadays, you can go out and buy clothes and you can, you know, get, go to Primark and get loads of clothes very cheaply. Or you can go out and you can, you can go and drink in nightclubs. People have got far more disposable money. There's far more ways nowadays of making money. There are far more situations where you can go out there. And there's far more pressure our driver's going to Vegas for a stag night. I mean, years ago, stag night would be South End. You know, now people get on a plane whoo, and fly off to Vegas, stay in a nice hotel, eat, drink, do whatever, and it might cost, I don't know, six, seven hundred pounds each. Good God, six, seven hundred pounds each. Blimey, that was, a, that was a family holiday budget for a year. Long time ago. You know, the only things you ever put on HP were the cooker, for some reason, the television and the car. Anything else you saved up for. We didn't have fast food, thank God. Really bad for you. That's why you've got lots of obese people in the country, is because you've got fast food. Got nothing at all to do with the fact that people don't exercise or anything like that. It's the fact you've got fast food. And fast food is bad. Cheap, fast food is bad for you. And that's why all of you, I don't care what it is, whether it's a burger or a pizza, it's not good. You ask the people running the marathon in this country on Sunday, how many of you eat pizza? Most of them probably wouldn't. They'd be all fit people because their bodies are temples, you know, and they like the idea. Me, of course, I'd be the one standing there sucking a lemon. I mean, you've got to eat carbs, you've got to eat certain things. But people, you know, once you start working out at a gym, you start eating more sensibly, don't you? It's only stupid people like me that eat rubbish. But there again, I mean, I've always eaten rubbish. I can cook rubbish as well. At least I can cook, I suppose. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Former BBC broadcaster Sir Jimmy Young has called for a return to politeness on television and radio, accusing interviewers of using aggressive techniques. He's 91. And I'm assuming that the, the day that Jimmy Young used to do his interviews uh, have changed somewhat from the way people do interviews nowadays. He says the confrontational approach employed by high-profile presenters when interviewing politicians is not always the best way to find out the truth. Well, I agree, you don't get anything by being rude to somebody. But then I suppose if you're talking to politicians, I remember doing a round table some years ago on LBC with politicians and it was impossible to get them to answer a question. It was abs- it was like banging your head against a brick wall. So you'd say, listen, simple question. Can you do so and so? And they'd go, well, in the event, no, just answer the question. And so I think really, Sir Jimmy, at 91, things have changed. Politicians are far more canny. Politicians are far more... Clever at evading questions. We used to have all the politicians in. They do sound bites now. Years ago, they would say something and you'd clip a little bit out of it. But nowadays, it's sound bites. They know exactly what to say and they know what is going to hit the newspapers, what is going to hit the uh, the television. It's as simple as that. So, times they have changed. Some might say, not for the better. This is LBC 97. Steve Allen. Morning, 13 minutes to five. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. We're coming to you live from Leicester Square. The gadget giveaway for today. Yesterday, you remember that the question was, what is pumpernickel? Actually, I told a fib earlier on. I did actually know what pumpernickel was after somebody reminded me. I thought originally it was some kind of fruit. (laughs) Turns out to be a bread. And I should have known that. But Alan Arnold from Hayes correctly identified pumpernickel as bread and got himself this mobile phone watch, which has got Bluetooth, it's got Blu-ray, you can download... Oh, it sings and dances, this one. Uh, Today, it's the gadget that everybody wants to get their hands on because once you've seen it and played with it, 
you're going to want one. It's the Apple iPad Mini, and you could be a winner by 6.30 this morning on 97.3. So that's right, one lucky listener will win the Apple iPad Mini today by answering this question correctly. What type of food is Manchego? What type of food is Manchego? Which is spelled M-A-N-C-H-E-G-O. What type of food is Manchego? To enter this... You text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, and then your answer, Manchego, is... And then you send that to 84850. So it's gadget, then your answer, which should be one word, and then 84850. It's got to be in by 6.30 this morning. The text will cost pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but there is a distinct possibility you may be charged. Go to the LBC website for full terms and conditions, which is lbc.co.uk. So it's the Apple iPad Mini which you're going for today. Nick Ferrari and the team after the news at 7 o'clock this morning. They'll be looking at the situation over in Boston and also looking forward to our very own London Marathon, which is taking place this Sunday. And the three teenagers sentenced for kicking a homeless man to death in Liverpool for a dare, apparently. They're looking at both sides of that, on the sentencing and, uh, and why there is youth violence. And why it is that we do get 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds carrying knives, inflicting pain on other people. Sometimes absolutely nothing at all to do with them. And also just how bad is homelessness in Liverpool. Just down the road from here... In fact, it was quite a bizarre scenario. There is a, a theatre, quite a number of theatres, but this is one that's got Judy Dench appearing, and quite clearly people are desperate for tickets. So come four o'clock in the morning, they're queuing for, for seats. They're sitting out there. Unfortunately, the other day there was a bit of a rumpus because a homeless man pitched up with his rolled-up bedding to discover all these people sitting in what he said was his sleeping place. He said, you're sitting in my sleeping place. And of course, they just looked at him blankly because he had to go somewhere else. And he sleeps in theatre doorways. There's quite a number of them sleep around here. But, of course, if the particular show at the theatre is successful, you get people who queue from a very early time. And they sit there, and you don't really want to be there next to somebody who's homeless. And I don't know whether or not the problem in Liverpool is worse than it is here in London. There are a number of people who sleep. Some people by choice. Some by choice. Some people because of mental illness. Some people because of all sorts of domestic situations. So Nick will be looking at that a little bit later on this morning. In the paper today, the stripper at the centre of the Britain's Got Talent sleaze row has blamed the show's judges for lowering the tone of her act. She's a stripper. How can you lower the tone of a stripper? You're either a stripper or you're not. I mean, I suppose you could be as boring as Dieter Von Tees and do burlesque. You know, we don't really do burlesque in this country. Burlesque is American, and you just wish she'd go back there and stay there for as long as possible. But the girl here is uh, Kerry Graham. She says her classy performance only turned seedy when David Williams and Simon Cowell came on stage and encouraged her to perform a lap dance. Well, I said yesterday that uh, I thought the whole programme was just was just tacky. People who've been on the programme before. It turns out that the choir who appeared on Britain's Got Talent have already been on tour with Ollie Murs and everybody else. Hardly new to the business. The 11-year-old girl uh, who sang the song about one-night stands. I mean, it doesn't get much sleazier than that, I'm afraid. And she'd been on the programme before, but they thought at eight or nine she was too young, so they waited. So they're all... People are well aware of all of them. And this girl here, she's a, she's a stripper. The whole idea of Britain's Got Talent, I don't want to have to keep emphasising this because I can only say it so many times, it's to find an act that you can put in front of the royal family for the royal variety performance. You can't put a stripper on in front of the Queen. What on earth are they thinking of? This is a programme which is watched on ITV by young people. Young people sit there and you've got a stripper on 
and and two old men like David Williams and Simon Cowell are encouraging her to perform a, a lewd act. I mean, it's just awful. I mean, it really just is terrible. It's not the kind of thing you expect to see. I mean, you know, perhaps it might be for some low-rent families, but believe you me, if my parents had been alive watching that, the television would have been off so fast. And yet nowadays we seem... Oh, that's all right. 11-year-old girl singing about a one-night stand. That's brilliant. I want a stripper performing for sort of Simon Cowell and David Walliams. You know, David Walliams barking mad. He's he's off his trolley half the time. It's terrible. But apparently she... um, Strange enough, her husband, Gary, because she's married... Uh, she lives in a four-bedroom detached house in Chafford, 100 in Essex, worth... I love the way they always tell you what somebody's house is worth. £334,000. And you, and you think to that, it, is that... We're supposed to be excited by that, are we? Three, 300, all I, most people will be thinking is, gosh, you get a four-bedroom house with a garden for £334,000. You want to come round our way? You'd be very lucky to find yourself a small two-bedroom flat. And Kingston's even worse! I was telling somebody the other day, because a number of... I've noticed there's a bit of a pattern emerging. There's a number of people who work for LBC who live in Kingston. Now, I go to Kingston on a regular basis. I think I'm being stalked. But I, I, I do like Kingston. It's got a good shopping centre. You know, it's got loads of shops for the kids and everything else. Loads of places you can eat out. And, of course, it's got the River Thames, which runs through it, which is very nice indeed. We like that. And it's got more swans there than you've ever seen in your entire life. They must have a million swans at, it's very pretty, actually. Very, swans are very messy. You don't really want them coming out of the water. Better they stay in the water, which is, you know, which, which is great for them. But people feed them, and there are hundreds. I've never seen so many swans. We only get one or two in, in Twickenham. They obviously don't like to venture too far down. But around Kingston, around Kingston Bridge, there's hundreds of these swans, and people sit there by the pubs, and there's a couple of nightclubs. There's a, a dodgy nightclub in Kingston. Well, actually, there's probably a couple of dodgy nightclubs. Somebody got knifed to death a short while ago. They're busy trying to close it down, because places change at night... The producer, would you fit into Kingston? I don't know. I looked at a house there the other day. Nine million it was. I have these strange fantasies. I like, I like to sometimes just go onto the internet and check out. But it, but it has got the best staircase. It's a marble staircase, which go, it looks like a bit... It looks like Versailles. And I thought to myself, if I had nine million... And it's got a swimming pool. Because I do need something very grand. I need something that looks like Versailles or the Palace of Schönbrunn in Vienna. Something like that that would sort of suit me down to the ground or Chatsworth or Longleat or Bath. Anyway, I don't really mind where I live, actually, as long as it's sort of got a big the big staircase. And it's got a bit of history. I like a bit of history. Uh, the good news is, I told you probably three months ago, what was good for you? Beetroot juice. Not just any old beetroot juice. You don't want it mixed with apple or anything like that. You want to get pure beetroot juice. You can buy it in most of the main supermarkets. And it, it depends. You might hate beetroot, but it's very, very, very good for lowering blood pressure. And it's the kind of thing that they, they're now saying a glass a day can reduce it by 7%. Now, I know a lot of you listening do suffer from blood pressure, but I promise you beetroot juice, and you can have it cold in the fridge. I love it. I do. In fact, I looked. I've got a bottle in the fridge at the moment. And if you like beetroot, you're going to like beetroot juice. But you don't want it mixed with anything. And if it helps reduce blood pressure, it's the kind of thing that people worry about now, isn't it? Blood pressure. You don't want to provide yourself with extra stress. One thing you don't want is extra stress. You want to have a nice, calming influence. I spoke to a friend of mine the other day and he appears not to worry about anything. It appears, although I'm sure secretly in the back of his mind he does worry about things. Uh, here are the... Um, this is uh, the judge who lambasted a mother 
after her two youngest sons joined their eldest brother in being jailed for murder. Linda Doran. Linda Doran was in the dock with her children, Connor, 17, and Brandon, 14, because she'd given the pair a false alibi to shield them from detectives. She's a pathetic excuse. That's what the judge said. You're a pathetic person. And she's been jailed as well. Connor Doran, 12-year minimum term. I mean, quite clearly, too st- a, a stupid family. Not just a stupid family, but people who deserve to spend time in prison. Brandon Doran, a six-year minimum term, uh, minimum term, described as a pack leader, but a rather pathetic little girl's blouse, as far as I'm concerned. And somebody here, he grew up without a father figure. Oh, how many times have we heard that, ladies and gentlemen? And uh, he watched his two elder brothers, Ryan and Jordan, forge a life of crime. He refused to go to school. He repeatedly jumped out of a taxi funded by the council. He threatened a shop manager who'd caught a friend shoplifting, say he would bring a mob armed with lives and machetes. You're going to be spending a long time in prison, young man. You're very stupid, you're very ignorant, and you're very simple, and your mother is pathetic. And it doesn't get any worse than that, and that's the judge's decision. The reason he decided to name these people is because these kicked a man to death in a shop doorway. Pathetic little... I mean, you you know, I can't think of anything, barring castration, which would actually make me feel happy, you know, to to deal something down to these people. Because the next time, people like this, unless they're stopped at an early age... Imagine being handed a 12-year minimum term, you know, at, at the age of 17. You know, what a sad, pathetic little nobody he turns out to be. Not big, not clever, just a big girl's blouse. But spending time with a lot of other criminals, it just makes you sick. And I'm glad his mother's gone to prison as well. I mean, people like this, they just don't deserve anything at all. They really don't. I get, I get so depressed by reading the papers every day and, and discovering that it's, it's quite depressing out there. I think I have to go around with a pair of blinkers on. Staff at a Sainsbury's store in the papers today. Why? They bought bread from Iceland... And then put it on sale with a 50% markup. The supermarket had run out of Warburton's toasty white loaves. So they went next door to Iceland and they bought 20 on offer at a pound each and then they put them in at 149 in the Sainsbury's store. I've never heard of that before. I don't suppose there's anything the matter with it, is there? It just means that they're sort of taking full advantage of it. My advice is that if, if you want to buy Warburton's toasty bread, go to Iceland because it's only a pound. And quite clearly, that's where they obviously thought in Sainsbury's. It's quite funny, that, isn't it? Sometimes they don't do it. I've discovered the other day that roast potatoes appear to have disappeared from our local Marks and Spencers. They better up their ante, because very shortly they might as well close it down, because we're getting a Morrison's and a Sainsbury's. So it now means that in Twickenham, not only are we overrun with charity shops, it is like the charity capital of the entire world, uh, we also have all the supermarkets. We have a very big Waitrose. We have a, a Marks and Spencers... It's not really that brilliant, it's OK. And uh, we have a Tesco Extra, and now I'm a big Tesco, and we're going to have Morrison's, and we're going to have Sainsbury's. Because also got every coffee shop under the sun. But it's the charity shops that seem to keep Twickenham going. It's LBC 97.3, if you've just woken up. It's nice to be company. You wake up to the news, if you didn't hear it before you went to bed last night, that there's a, a bloodbath over in Boston. The bombers have launched the worst US terror strike since 9-11. So far, three people are confirmed dead. More than 140 people have been injured. Nick Ferrari and the team at breakfast will be looking at that. And Susan Bookbinder in the news update at 6.30 this morning. We'll be crossing live to Boston to find out the latest. We've got the news at 5 coming up next on LBC 97.3. Morning, four minutes past five. Tuesday morning in London town. It's April the 16th, 2013. The day you will remember 
because the Boston Marathon is all over the newspapers. The atrocity that happened there, two explosions at the Boston Marathon have killed three people and injured over 140 people now. Uh, because it was being televised, they caught everything. Uh, President Obama has already spoken to the nation. He's already said they will catch the perpetrators. Unfortunately, so far, nobody has claimed responsibility. They're not saying it was a bomb. They're saying it was an explosion. Uh, they think, whatever the device was, it was packed with ball bearings. More details on that as we get them. Nick Ferrari will be talking about that this morning. Also, the... Uh, the three people who have been named in the newspapers this morning, the judges ordered these people be named, who kicked a homeless man to death for a dare. Quite clearly, I mean, we've lost all sense of, of reality. I mean, I, I would have no hesitation sending somebody to prison for the rest of their life. But do you then say, in the case of these young people, and this is going to come up later on, because we had it, did we not, with, the, uh, with child killers before, where they've said, but they're only young, they don't know what they're doing. You know, this family grew up without a father. Why should that make any difference? There's loads of people who grew up without fathers. They don't end up being killers and murderers and muggers and thieves. And then when you've got sort of a pathetic mother as an excuse, I suppose you, you start with a huge handicap. But I don't know what the answer is. People have talked about it for ages and ages. I remember talking to uh, Gita Sereni, not one of my best interviews, it has to be said, who'd written a book about Mary Bell, the child killer. You remember Mary Bell, the child killer. Gita Sereni paid her money. Well, well, I say she paid her money. The papers were saying she paid £50,000 for her cooperation in this book. And I asked Gita Sereni, did you pay Mary Bell £50,000? And she said it's got nothing to do with it. I said, but it's got everything to do with it. This is somebody who committed an act against a child who died as a result. And later in life, we give somebody money for writing about them. And it doesn't solve anything. There appears to be no pattern emerging with any of these people who commit these atrocities. It's just a case of bullying that has gone too far. It's when people, you know, so an example, one of these, one of these children, and mentally they are children, I'm afraid, who've gone to the Young Persons Institute for a long, long time. Mother's gone to proper prison, so hopefully she'll stay there forever. And, and they, they don't know the difference between right and wrong, because nobody's ever told them if they want something, they steal it. The moment somebody confronts them, they then retaliate. I'm going to come back with machetes. Who are you? You really want somebody big to pop up in a shop, don't you? I mean, your ultimate ambition would be somebody comes into a shop and they hold up some poor shopkeeper who's struggling to make a living, struggling to make a living. You know, you've got to sell a lot of newspapers and a lot of sweets and a lot of this to make any living whatsoever nowadays. And you really want, when this sort of person comes in and holds them up, some huge bloke to rise up out of the floor on a lift and just take them out. It would make me feel so much better, you know, or failing that, produce a film crew, go, gotcha. And you take them outside and you hang them out to dry. John says, why would you want to get up and go to work if you were sharing a flat with three go-go dancers? You were obviously already in heaven and had all you could ever dream of at home. OK, thank you. Uh, Jai in London, or Jay, says, in a world full of bad news, Boston, Korea, Maggie, you're my cheerful companion every morning. Yes, yeah, so, well, I, I hope so as well. The trouble is, there's not much to laugh about in this day and age, is there? We try and find some things. I did la I'm sorry to laugh at other people's misery, but I have to laugh at other people's misery. Cheryl Cole, you remember Cheryl Cole. She appeared the other day on... Uh, well, they, they, they were doing a pre-record uh, with Richard Arnold. And uh, they... Uh, for, for Daybreak. They can't get it right at Daybreak, can they? They really can't at all. And so they asked people to tweet in with questions for Cheryl Cole. Little realising... The abuse that they would get. People saying to Cheryl, so what, what is your view on talentless people making a million pounds? People calling her talentless. She can't sing. 
Um, how does it feel to be pretty enough that you don't actually need any musical talent or singing ability to be a success? Others questioned her sex life. Uh, other people were quizzing her on her assault conviction in 2003. And, uh, and people... So the whole thing kind of backfired. Of course, Richard Arnold, who's, who's oblivious to anything that goes on, really, he's in his own little airy-fairy world, I'm afraid. They didn't mention any of this on the programme. The interview, I think, airs, airs this week. But to be honest with you, I forget who it was. Was it Simon Cowell who mentioned her in the book? Or it was mentioned by his biographer that they used to invite her to, to dinner parties because she wasn't that bright at holding conversations. She can't actually hold a proper conversation because that's not what she does. What she is, she is somebody who, and I think the famous quote was, she shows you how fast somebody can go when you're pretty but you haven't got any talent. You can go as fast as that. She can't sing. We know she can't sing. We know she's much, not much cop at dancing. She is just over-made up and it's fake this, fake that, and, and she can make a lot of money. But eventually it all, you know, it all peters out. Uh, but it's, it's the belief that they have that they are singers or dancers. And that's why, when you get Sarah Harding, and apparently none of them in Girls Aloud liked each other, they all fell out with each other, so on the tour, nobody was talking. I find it absolutely... It'd be like me coming in the morning, and, and the producer has sort of upset me or something, and I go, well, I'm not talking to you. And it's, and it's happened before, you know, I've, I've sent it to Coventry. Well, actually, I've tried to send it to Huddersfield, but she didn't want to go to Huddersfield, so we sent it to Coventry. And, and, you, and you try and... Send it, I mean, I remember having a producer once who sat there... I can't mention who this person is because they were too... We had to get rid of them because they were too stupid for words. And, and they, they were watching the television throughout the whole programme. The one thing you expect to do... It's like being on stage. You expect people to look at you. It's like, look at, look at me. Da, 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 da. You know, that kind of stuff. Because unless you get some reaction, if you say something funny like... <laughs> you know, unless you, you know, unless you get some reaction from the other side, you might as well be talking to a brick wall. I mean, I have had producers, to be honest with you, I wish there was a curtain on this window. You could push a little button and go, show's over, close the curtains and that's it. So poor old Cheryl Cole got a battering from people who don't think. And then other fans wrote in and went, oh, you know, you're spoiling it for the fans. And I don't quite know who her fans are. She's not, she wasn't successful in America. She's, I mean, it's preteen girls who want to be like Cheryl. And I said, because I looked at the Peter Andre fans, they're very worrying. I'd have called the police for most of them. They do look slightly peculiar. Middle-aged women and Pete. Pete loves his fans because he loves his kids and that kind of stuff. But then you look at poor old Cheryl Cole. You know, I mean, the pinnacle, pinnacle of her success being interviewed by Richard Arnold. I mean, that kind of says it all, doesn't it? They should really close Daybreak down and just turn it over to a radio station like LBC. It would make, make so much more sense. Uh, other stories. Good Lord. This is uh, Beyonce, who's got a new fashion deal, which could rake in. She's, she's going to rake in... On the tour, $75 million. Is Beyonce the one who did all the... Uh, she did all the single ladies, all the... Uh, 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 uh. See, I like her. I like her. I gather she's, she's slightly a diva, but I, I, I did like her. I think she's ever so pretty, and she dances, and looks like she puts a lot of effort in. Unlike Peter Andre, who looks like just a complete idiot up there, dancing away like Michael Jackson, but at the age of... Uh, at the age of 40-plus. It doesn't quite work for me, I'm afraid. Uh, other story... Though this, this sponger is in all the papers today. This is Peter Owens, pulled over by the police five times. I don't, I, I don't really understand how we're paying somebody this much money and he can't work. There must be something these people can do. We don't want benefit culture. I want it stopped. Because it, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, there's a cleaner in the paper as well today. Raphael Varela, who was a cleaner at the MOD... And he stole from them. 
He comes from Ilford. Nine counts of theft. And he just stole from... What is it with people nowadays? Nobody seems to want to work and do anything. Nobody seems to want to actually have that piece of achievement. You know, of actually saving up and buying something. I've, you know, the amount, I've lost track of the amount of times that I've walked into a shop and I've bought an item and uh, they've said, uh, oh, would you like so-and-so card? You get 10% off today. And I've got, no, I don't want one of your cards. Thank you very much indeed. I'm just, sorry. I'm just, I'm just not interested in, in sort of why people want something today. It's this want it today and pay for it next year. I don't, I don't quite get that. I was brought up perhaps old-fashionedly, to actually to actually work for something if you want it, and then you get more satisfaction out of it. So, in other words, I mean, sometimes I will buy something and I give it away. I haven't intended to give it away, but I will do that. I mean, I'm, I'm much more a giver, as they say, than a receiver. I don't, I'm not very good at receiving presents from people. I really don't like receiving presents. I was talking yesterday, one of the guys at LBC... Uh, who many of you know because he's featured on my one-man shows when we've, when we've gone out, uh, Chris Lowry, formerly the weatherman of LBC. He celebrated 25 years at LBC yesterday. And I knew it was around that time. I couldn't remember exactly because he's had unbroken record of 25 years. And I thought that was quite good. I've done quite a few more years than that. But I did have a break. There was a time when LBC lost the licence and people disappeared and I think I was away from the building for two months or something like that. But he's done 25 years. And the boss said to me yesterday, he said, oh, perhaps I'll get him a commemorative plate or something. But the trouble is, he has loads of LBC memorabilia. There is nothing... I mean, I've got lots of LBC things. I wish I'd saved all the T-shirts and all the tour jackets, believe it or not, tour jackets, uh, over the years, the T-shirts were fabulous. We've had so many different designs and it was really quite nice. So what they've actually given him instead is they've given him a weekend away. Which is lovely because he hasn't been for a caravan site for ages and ages. So he's very much looking forward to, to spending time on wheels in Penrith or somewhere like that. He'll probably be in Cardiff knowing his luck. And so he said to me yesterday, he said, what a nice, it's a nice thing to do, isn't it? Because you don't find people who have jobs for life anymore. People get bored. They do something. Because I was talking to Freddie this morning, the taxi driver... I know, I'm talking about Freddie. But he was doing it, and he said, he said, what I want to do, he said, I want to do the knowledge. He's only just started. I said, you've got three years of misery coming up. Let me tell you, a friend of mine did it in three years. He said, he did know somebody who said he did it in about 18 months. I said, well, that must have been pushing it. That must be a physical impossibility. Average two years to do the knowledge. And he said then, because I said it's like a licence to print money. I've got lots of friends who are, who are taxi drivers, licensed taxi drivers, and they go out there. Once they've earned their money, then they go back home again. So they've got some sort of life. You don't want to push yourself to the Andrew Marr extreme where all of a sudden, you know, you have a stroke or something happens which ruins the rest of your life. The idea is, you know, work, but only to your level. Once you've made your money, because I said I'm, I shall be home at 8 o'clock this morning. He said, and is that it? I said, is that, what do you mean, is that it? I'll have given every ounce of my body. They'll be ringing me out later on because I'm expected to keep an audience at this time of the morning. Which, according to the latest figures, we do quite successfully. It's uh, quarter past five. <laughs> News headlines with Dan Whitehead. At least three people are dead and more than a hundred... And Nick Ferrari and the team after seven o'clock this morning. They'll be crossing live to Boston to find out the, uh, the latest. As indeed will Susan Bookbinder just after 6.30 this morning on 97.3. And, of course, the implications for this weekend's London Marathon, thousands and thousands of people, and they don't want it cancelled. Judging by the reaction that we've had from you, you don't want it cancelled either. All the charities could lose a small fortune 
Uh, Nick Ferraro this morning will be looking at that. Plus the three teenagers sentenced for kicking a homeless man to death in Liverpool for a dare. Nick will be asking who's to blame for the tragedy. Uh, and they've been named in the newspapers. Plus the day before her funeral, there's a special LBC report on how communities in the north of England are responding to Margaret Thatcher's death. Somebody wrote in to me the other day, we, were, we had this... Because uh, I said, listen, you're always going to find people who like Margaret Thatcher. At least she brings out some sort of reaction in people. She did make a difference. You know, perhaps not to everybody, but let's face it, even the Almighty couldn't appeal to everybody. And so, consequently, people were saying, well, of course, you know, look at what she did to the miners. And I said, but the mines weren't making any money. That was the trouble. It was like a business that was going nowhere. Nobody uses coal now. People stopped using coal ages ago. It was messy. It was dirty. I mean, you could still go through. I mean, the, the, the thing I like is it's still part of our history. I didn't think the minor strikes were, were anything to be proud of in this country. It was people trying to defend a job that, frankly, was going nowhere. And it was, it was great difficulty. There were all sorts of problems with it. But if you go around Bedford Square, and I only noticed it a couple of weeks ago, and I mentioned it on the programme, you look in front of these lovely houses. Cameron McIntosh has one of these houses as his uh, offices. Bedford Square, still owned by the Bedford Estate. And it's just part of London that comes under the Duke of Bedford. But in the pavement, there's all these round coal holes. And you sit there in front of every single house. They're not very big. You'd think they'd be enormous. And the coal man would pull in outside. They'd lift up this coal hole with a special hook he had, and he would pour the coal down. But the coal men were on a bit of a fiddle. What they would do is, because you were never there when they brought the coal round, so what they would do is, and it was, it was a well-known fiddle for the coal men, to make you pay a bit extra, they would, they would fold up a sack of coal an empty sack and put it by the side and then empty in, say, two... So you'd say, I've ordered three sacks of coal... They would only empty two in. But they would have an empty sack there, and they'd go, well, there's there three, we've emptied three in. And, of course, a few people caught them out a few times. So anyway, so they, they then decide that the, the pits are going nowhere, we're running out of coal, nobody's using the stuff anymore, it was dirty, it wasn't very helpful, and it was a shame that communities had to close. But that was, that was the problem in those days. If you had a business and it wasn't making any money, what was the point of keeping it open? And so they didn't. And then when the Labour government got in, they didn't reopen the pits. They didn't reopen them at all. So, and yet everybody went very quiet on that. It was a bit of a shame, really. So people have said that for the funeral tomorrow they're going to be throwing bits of coal at the coffin. I don't think they will. I think they'll be arrested very, very quickly and charged with a public order offence. It's still a funeral at the end of the day. You still respect somebody who's dead. I don't care whether you like them or you didn't like them. It's still somebody's funeral. There will still be her family there. And there will still be grandchildren. They don't want to see things like that. Just because people have got a grievance of, you know, 30-plus years ago, there's no reason to disrupt a funeral. But it will be on LBC Live tomorrow morning with Nick Ferrari. There'll be the whole service. Now, don't forget, the road closures come in from about 2 o'clock tomorrow morning. That's what we were telling you yesterday. We've spoken to a couple of police officers, and they've said probably about 2 o'clock tomorrow morning they'll be closing off the roads. And it will run from Parliament Square. They will come all the way up Whitehall. They'll do a right into the Strand, all the way down the Strand, off to Mary LeBeau, and then after that, she will be transferred into a gun carriage, and they'll do the thousand... I think it's a thousand yards, thousand metres, uh, down Fleet Street, old stomping ground of mine, up Ludgate uh, Hill, past over Ludgate Circus, into St Paul's Cathedral. At the end of the service, they'll then be taking her out, back in the hearse again, off to Mortlake Crematorium, and there there'll be a cremation, private for the family. And then after that, uh, the ashes will be taken back to 
the Chelsea Hospital, and she'll be interred with Dennis, which I think is in front of the Memorial Hospital wing that she's got there. They were sort of opening up that site the other day. So that, that's what will happen. But it's Mortlake Crematorium where she's going to be cremated. So the car will be whizzing out there. So if you're around that area, there will be a lot of action. Probably around... I think the, uh, the service is scheduled to start at 11. I think the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh are getting there at quarter to 11. Uh, everybody will be seated by that time. And then there will be the car coming in. So it will start on time. I should imagine they will be setting off at quarter two and it will probably take that amount of time to get them there and uh, to make... Because it will be done to the second. They overran the other day, didn't they? I think they overran by three minutes. So they've got to cut that, uh, cut that, that time down because everything that is done, organised by Scotland Yard. I remember when I used to work at New Scotland Yards years ago, uh, every time the royal family moved, there was a, a movement. It was called a purple movement, or it was a blue movement, depending on which member of the royal family it was. So every time the Queen went anywhere, it was a purple movement, and they knew exactly how long it took from here to here to here, everything, because bearing in mind the Queen doesn't stop at red traffic lights. For some reason, she's exempt from this. I have no idea how she gets away with it, but she does. And so they have the police outriders who go, stop the traffic, and they just sail all the way through. I always find it tremendously exciting that even in London, you can actually sort of get the traffic moving through. I've always said that the quickest time in London is when the, uh, the traffic lights are broken. The, the, because then people just use their own judgment, you know, which is good. I mean, I, I think, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I, I should have roughly the same kind of thing coming in the morning. You know, there sh it should be organised for Steve Allen. I can remember once I got very angry. I don't know why, because it, here, here would be a scenario. If, if I was driving in in the morning in my car and I broke down, the police would not bring me into work. The police would not be bringing me. I could phone up the local police force and say, listen, it's Steve Allen. I've got a show to do at LBC. Is there any chance you could give me a lift into work? And they'd be going, I don't think so. And yet, strange enough, when Terry Wogan some years ago broke down on the motorway, the police drove him into work. Total blatant abuse, as far as I'm concerned, of the, uh, of the system. Anyway, if you have just woken up, it's nice to have your company. It's LBC 97.3. Uh, the LBC gadget giveaway for today. Might as well put some bit of, uh, bit of happiness your way this morning. And this is our way of doing it. Yesterday, Alan Arnold. It's got to be a showbiz name. From Hayes in Middlesex. Correctly identified yesterday that Pumpernickel was a type of bread. He got himself the fabulous mobile phone watch. I'm quite jealous by this one. This is a watch with a touch screen that's a mobile phone, SIM-free, and had a camera in it and a Bluetooth and an MP3 player. It practically did the washing up for you, if you asked it. So, well done, Alan. Today, the gadget that everybody wants to get their hands on, it's the Apple iPad Mini, and you could be a winner at 6.30 this morning, which is when the competition finishes. So, one lucky listener will win... Courtesy of the Steve Allen gadget giveaway this morning, the Apple iPad Mini. It, uh, to see it is to desire it. it I mean, it really is. It's a, it's a lovely, lovely... I mean, I'd, I could be quite happy with mine for the rest of my life. Glad you charge the thing up all the time. You can just keep going. It's, uh, you can Wi-Fi, photos, music, just about everything. Surf the internet. Whatever you want to do, you can do it. And you need to know the answer to this question. OK, the question is, what type of food is Manchego? What type of food is Manchego? M-A-N-C-H-E-G-O. What type of food is Manchego? To enter, text the word gadget. G-A-D-G-E-T. That's the key word. You need that. And then your answer. So it's gadget. And then what type of food is Manchego? It's... And you put that down. And you send it to... 84850. Text costs £1.50 plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered 
but there's an opportunity uh, for you still to be charged. Go to lbc.co.uk for all the terms and conditions. Good luck, because an Apple iPad Mini on a Tuesday is uh, is something well worth having for it. I don't care who you are. Uh, Colleen Rooney, celebrating her birthday the other day. She's only 27, and so she went out with a few of her friends uh, to a, a local theme park, Gulliver's World. I don't know anything about Gulliver's World, but I'm assuming it's for little people. You know, that was the whole thing about Gulliver's stories. And so off went uh, Colleen, wearing not one of her attractive outfits. Presumably when, when she's with her poor friends, she has to sort of dumb down a little bit. Um, no money left for a gym membership. And this is uh, Alicia Duval. Weeks after moaning, she blew a million pound on plastic surgery. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't believe a word of it. I don't believe anybody's ever spent a million. It's all about over-egging the pudding. But uh, they say here, she's stretching in a park... Uh, so she can't afford gym membership. Um, the truth of the matter is, she's uh, quite clearly doing it with her with her daughters. And uh, this is <laughs> her daughter, Georgia, and one-year-old, Papaya. She's got a daughter called Papaya. I mean, how barking mad do you have to be in this day and age? Versace, the family dog. Oh, blimey. It's all a little bit worrying, isn't it, really? Uh, was with them as well, wearing a pink hoodie. I'm sorry, anybody who dresses dogs up deserves taking into police custody, as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, I hope to God that uh, Alicia Duval disappears. She's always been a little bit of an attention seeker. She's a little bit... She's a little bit Sally Burko. Not because Sally Burko's had cosmetic surgery. Uh, Perry Edwards... Oh, dear, with grey hair. This is Perry Edwards, who I think is going out with Zane. She's part of the Little Minx mix uh, group, and uh, they were out the other... In fact, she arrived here. In fact, I know exactly where they are. They are the worst-dressed group in living memory. I don't know how anybody could ever say that Little little Minx mix uh, are actually sort of interesting. Here's Kerry Katona spending a day at a theme park with her fiancé, somebody else to introduce the uh, the children to. This will be third time, fourth time, I don't know. <coughs> Excuse me, luckily they actually took a photographer with them. So very handy. Very, very handy. But uh, as I say, just a, another sad attempt to get poor old Kerry Katona uh, into uh, the newspapers. And Kelly Osborne putting on a brave face after it emerged that uh, Sharon has split from Ozzy. Or is it the other way round? Ozzy has split from Sharon. He said, and I quote from one of the papers today, she's obsessed with fame. Well... I thought that was the whole family. I thought they were all obsessed with fame, and they've got it. And they've paid the ultimate price. It's LBC 97.3. Time 5.30. With Steve Allen. 26 minutes to 6. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. The uh, news you're waking up to this morning, the explosions at the end of the Boston Marathon. Uh, killed three, injured over 140 people at the moment. Nobody has claimed responsibility. It put in doubt for a short period of time the London Marathon, which we have ourselves this coming Sunday, but the organisers have assured us it will go ahead. There will be extra precautions, which is quite clearly something that they weren't expecting in Boston because it was broadcast live on television. The explosions were seen live on television. Two explosions. There was a third one at the library, but that was not connected in any way, shape or form. It makes the front pages of all the newspapers this morning... Susan Bookbinder at 6.30 will be crossing live to Boston to find out the very latest. And Nick Ferrari, just after the news, at 7 will be doing similar. Plus, of course, Quentin Letts will be in with him looking at the papers for this morning. The three teenagers who kicked and punched a homeless man to death in Liverpool for a dare have been sentenced and named by the papers as well. Also, uh, other stories which are, are running today. Um, 
apart from the uh, the explosions which came in just before the papers had been printed. So that's why it's, it's managed to make the, uh, the front pages. Uh, plus a pregnant mother who jumped to her death from a car park before police found her three children dead at home. This is the body of Fiona Anderson's tragic tots. Levina, three, Addie, two, and a son aged 11 months. She plunged from the top floor of the nearby multi-storey building. Friends say she'd been gripped by depression since splitting from their dad. She was only 23. It's a terrible waste of life, whichever way you, whichever way you look at it. The baby-faced boys who killed for a dare, here they are, Connor Doran, uh, Simon Evans and uh, Brandon Doran, who did nothing to stop his brother's attack. They're, they're murderers. Their victim was a vulnerable man, left with broken ribs and a collapsed lung. He died six days later. Kevin Bennett. The Dorans were branded Britain's worst family by a neighbour who's lived in fear of them. Well, luckily, these big girls' blouses have been sent to a young person's institute, and their mothers in prison as well. Quite clearly a revolting, pathetic specimen. Linda Doran terrorised the area. One former neighbour said she had no control over them. She was mouthy and the police were often around. Well, luckily, they've been dealt the final blow. To be honest with you, I think we should just lock these people up on an island and leave them there. I don't think they deserve to be seen in, in decent company at all. Uh, Ian Highland talking about the programme that many of you seem to have caught the other day. This is my big fat gypsy fortune, which begins with the question, what are the rules of gypsy money-making and why are they all being kept secret? Sadly, like all bad documentary makers, Channel 4, writes Ian Highland, then spent the next hour failing to answer the question, mainly because they spent most of the time failing to even ask it. It's no wonder I snapped halfway through and yelled, look, just ask them to show us their latest tax returns. Or stop wasting my time. I should have known better, of course. Channel 4's Gypsy Pals, travellers, of course, have spent the past six years dodging any on-camera discussions about how they procure their money or how much they spend on their lavish weddings. So why would they start coughing now? It was just a ruse to cover up for the fact that Channel 4 was merely regurgitating uh, traveller tales we've heard a hundred times before. The closest we got to any kind of revelation was that one charges a tenner for three bags of compost. Plus, Channel 4 failed to even mention that one of their own stars, Jimmy Carr, famously took what you might call a traveller's view when it came to tax matters. He travelled to Jersey. It's always been quite secretive. How much you spend on the dress? 20000 30000 Where'd you get that money from? You know, I don't think anybody else can afford to spend that sort of money. The answer is they don't pay tax. That's why. So there's no big secret about my big, fat, gypsy fortune. It's because there's no tax being paid for any of these people. Uh, as I say, that's why Ian Highland said, just show us your tax return. Go on, give us your tax return. The answer is they do not exist, I'm afraid. Other stories in the uh, papers for today. This is uh, a mum who was left to carry her sick child home at 1am because an NHS-approved taxi driver refused to drive through a puddle. I couldn't quite... I had to read it twice myself to realise what I was reading here. Ricky Hall and six-year-old epilepsy sufferer Riven were left by Sheila Cook in Sleet, on a country road a mile from their house after an emergency hospital visit. Ricky, who comes from Franksbridge, near uh, Landridod, Wales, in mid-Wales, I don't know why I do it in the accent, there's no logical reason for this at all, says the puddle wasn't deep, but the driver said she didn't want water getting into the exhaust. It was pitch black, with rain and sleet, Riven was in her pyjamas, Ricky's mum had to pick them up, Mrs Cook, who owns Sheila's cars, says there was no way I'd have got through that water safely. I should have given her the option to return to hospital. Abba Gavenis, Nevinol, 
Hospital is investigating. A spokesman said the firm remains on our list of approved companies for patient transport. Yeah, patient transport with Sheila's Williams, we dump them in the middle of nowhere. Because there's a puddle the, the woman driver doesn't want to go through. Never heard of such a thing. Never heard of such a thing. I can't imagine why that, why that sort of thing would, uh, would not be mentioned at all. Piers Brosnan on how his life has changed. He's, uh, he's fallen in love again. They always talk about it, don't they? I, I quite like the idea. Sterling Moss. Oh, here we go again. You remember Sterling Moss? The older he gets, the more balmy he becomes. And some of the uh, things he says. Yesterday, he sparked fury after saying women were not tough enough to deal with the stress of a Formula One race. He is an old dinosaur. Was it, what was Sterling Moss's comment about, uh, about gay people? He wasn't, he wasn't you know, I, I know some, uh, whatever he called them, at the time. He's, uh, he's slightly barking mad, I'm afraid. But uh, Williams development driver Susie Wolf, who's hoping to become a Formula One racer, says, I completely disagree with him. It makes me cringe. I've got a lot of respect for Sir Sterling, and I think we're in a, a different generation. Strangely enough, Bernie Eccleston said the same thing. He said he didn't think that women were able to compete with men on the track. So there you go. But mind you, Sir Sterling Moss is 83. They say he's a, a Formula One legend. Yeah, but from about 500 years ago... You know, the older they get, the more balmy mad they actually become. And it turns out, this one I thought was hilarious. I thought this one was hilarious. That uh, Vic Beckham is living up to her nickname in the speech stakes. Experts say that the former Spice Girls accent now sounds posh. While hubby Dave is so concerned about dropping his H's that he puts them into words where they don't belong. They're obviously, they're, they're trying to elevate themselves within the social echelons. But of course, you know, they can't. You can't, there's no point in trying to change. Although I, I do know people who have changed before. Anita Dobson is a classic example of, uh, of a lady whose, uh, whose mother sent her to speak posh because she was East End. So she learnt to speak posh and was terribly, terribly posh like that. And then she gets the job in East Enders where she has to go back to sounding... What? That kind of stuff. So a study of videos revealed that the accents are being replaced with standard English. Vic from Harlow in Essex, I rest my case is now more likely to pronounce the L at the end of words such as us all. In her Spice Girls days, she makes sound or like that. And uh, poor old Day from Leightonstone was found to be using fewer cockney-sounding vowels. Dear, there's nothing worse is there than nouveau riche. Dreadful. All this talk of Las Vegas, says Nick. I keep hearing on the show, it's making me feel I'm missing out. Should I go? Heading to San Francisco for my holidays, but it's not too late to change my mind. Well, to be honest with you, there's absolutely nothing to do in San Francisco. Earth you go to San Francisco for? Most boring place I'd ever been to. I mean, it does have a radio station called 97.3, so that is the, that is the only good thing about it. I took a photograph. How anoraki am I? But there's nothing there. You can go to that prison. You can look at a load of seals. You can go to Fisherman's Wharf. And you can go to a Christmas shop. And apart from that, San Francisco is the most boring place. OK, so it's got, it's got the cable cars. <coughs> but to be honest with you, I'm never, never going to get too excited about a cable car. It's not as, not as glamorous as it was when Judy Garland sang about them. It's more of your texts and emails coming in this morning. Let's try and get through as many as possible. Uh, another one here, uh, 84850, uk. Trying to get them all in. I once saw, said Richard, Jimmy Young interviewing Mrs Thatcher at the height of her powers, and he notably addressed her as Margaret, which at the time was unprecedented. Yes, well, I mean, she was interviewed by a lot of people. Pete Murray, our very own Pete Murray, used to uh, interview her on a on a regular basis. Uh, just the uh, the benefit cuts, which are coming in. Last night on ITV London News, they did a report on a lady and her family who've just had her benefit capped to five hundred pound a week. She had several children, 
says Neil, and seemed to think she had a right for us, the taxpayers, to pay for her and her family's upkeep. She said she'd pay tax in the past. Whoopee! Don't we all, he says. It made me laugh that whilst claiming poverty, she was filmed wearing uh, both the home and away latest Arsenal tops, which are 40 quid each. Unbelievable! And Yes, I know. Well, of course, I mean, poor old football fans, they get, they get nobbled in every which way but, don't they? And so the fans have to buy it, but it's people on benefits who are wearing very, very expensive tops. I don't quite get it myself, I'm afraid. Uh, Adam, he says, uh, he, he's in Boston, apparently. He says, thank you for putting a smile on those of us who are your Boston listeners. We have, we have listeners all over America, actually, on this programme. Very grateful to them for being there. Paul says, you mentioned Midnight Caller, which was this TV show where the presenter was hosting a phone-in show and he walked around the studio. It ran from 1988 to 81, to 91, after which it was cancelled. Very hard-hitting for its time. Widely reported uh, that a number of the items it covered, AIDS, bisexuality, a little bit too much for the conservative American audience. Other than a brief showing on an obscure cable channel in the States, it's never seen the light of day, uh, despite a sustained campaign to get it released on DVD. And I don't know if you saw the documentary on Gypsy Rose Lee by Paul O'Grady on Sunday. If not, have a look at ITV Play. He bagged a rare interview with her son and Faith Dane, who played Mazupa, the lady in the film, sang You Gotta Get a Gimmick, which, of course, was covered by Paul Barbara and Scylla at the Royal Variety Performance. At the age of 90, still playing alone, his wheelchair played along with him. Really good telly. That was the repeat of Loves His Kids. Sorry, my life. The next breathtaking edition with Peter Andre's Thursday. I'm looking forward to the shoplifting programme. There's a programme where they've got... Uh, they're interviewing people who shoplift. Um, and I don't quite understand why somebody would shoplift, because most of the people who shoplift do carry the money on them to actually pay for the goods. At least you know when you enter the, uh, the gadget giveaway, you don't need to shoplift. One phone call could actually get you... The gift of the century and the gift today, which I'll tell you about in a moment, is an Apple iPad Mini. That's what we have on offer for you today. And one person will have their name read out on the programme tomorrow. And uh, you'll be the one jumping up and down, getting very, very excited. As indeed today, it's Anil Ar- Alan Arnold. So difficult to say. From Hayes. Alan Arnold from Hayes, who was yesterday's winner and got himself that James Bond super-duper cool watch. Today, the Apple iPad Mini. Will it be your name I'm reading out tomorrow? I hope so. Details coming up. In a moment. It's quarter to six. The news headlines with Dan Whitehead. At least three people are dead. Steve Allen. Morning. Twelve minutes to six is the time. I love the idea that uh, the model, Heidi Klum, who was married to Seal, uh, reveals that if she wants her children, Lenny, Henry, Johan and Lou, to finish their daily smoothies, she offers them money. I wouldn't have thought it took any money at all to get kids to to eat smoothies. I thought they absolutely loved smoothies. But apparently not in her household. So, in other words, she starts every day with a fresh juice. A friend of mine has a juicer and literally throws everything in there. And I've seen them doing it on the television. They throw grapes, beetroot, onion, whatever you've got, you chuck in there and it just seems to make a smooth drink. So I suppose you could just have it with... It does sound disgusting, actually. Please do not try that drink at home. I just made it up as I was sitting here. You know, when somebody says, what's somebody put in it? Well, I put asparagus and an apple and some beetroot, and then I threw some prawns in. And by the time you've finished with this thing, you look at it and you think, it doesn't even smell nice. I don't think I want to eat that at all. OK, let's admit it, ladies and gentlemen. Northern women simply don't have a clue how to dress. There's no two ways in, uh, in doing... I'm sorry for those people in Manchesterford, but uh, there are pictures in the papers today 
Uh, Cheryl Cole, attending Shrek the Musical, looking like Shrek. Um, I'm a celebrity, Helen Flanagan. Not a clue of what to wear, but the worst dresser, poor old Alex Curran. I mean, just really appalling fashion sense. I mean, it really is so, so dreadful that I'm surprised she even wanders out looking this ridiculous. She looks like an overstuffed sofa or a Barbie doll. Not in the best possible way. Even our poor old Scylla is not wearing some of the best outfits. And you've only got to look at when they say Ladies' Day at Aintree. When they say ladies, they're missing the boy word off. They all look like Thai lady boys. I've never seen such awful dressing. And unfortunately, these people appear in the paper. I mean, every time you see poor old Helen Flanagan with that strange hairstyle of hers, you know, scraping... I suppose if you haven't really got any looks to, to talk about, you scrape your hair back and stick it on top of your head. And people go, oh, that's Helen Flanagan. She's appearing this week with Peter Andre. It'll be a tough call as to who's wearing the most makeup on the programme. Because uh, I suspect it will be poor old Pete. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Suzanne says, just woke to you talking about tomorrow's funeral, which will be covered on LBC 97.3. Nick Ferrari will be doing it. We have reporters uh, down there and inside St Paul's, and you'll be hearing everything. I like the choice of hymns, but I've always liked the choice of hymns. I think anything that makes you feel patriotic would be he who would valiant be. Anyway, she says, anybody thinking of chucking bits of coal at Lady Thatcher's coffin needs to get their facts right. More mines closed under the Wilson government, approximately 209, than under Mrs Thatcher, about 160. I don't recall any pieces of coal being chucked about at his funeral. The loony left need to start thinking before they act and show a bit of respect for a woman who saved this country. I'm sadly old enough to remember 1979 when the dead lay unburied, rubbish piled high on the streets, electricity was rationed, and the country was on a three-day week while the unions ran the country. Love listening to your show. Thank you very much indeed for, uh, for that one. Oh, well, I remember the rubbish piled high because it was here in Leicester Square. You couldn't get into Leicester Square for the stench of rubbish. The rats were everywhere. Mind you, we see rats on a daily basis around here. I don't, and I mean rats, proper rats with long tails, running around in Chinatown, down some of these little alleys. I've been daytime and seen them, not even at night time. They, they, they don't care at all. But you're quite right, the dead did lay unburied. It got, it got terrible. They were having to sort of put people in containers and keep the bodies chilled and everything else. I remember the electricity being rationed. I remember the electricity. In fact, we talked about it yesterday, strangely enough, going off at a certain time when you would literally be sitting there, and I don't want to ruin your breakfast, but I would be blow-drying my hair. Yes, all right. I used to blow-dry my hair. I used to have a lot of hair. And it was very fine, so I blow-dried it, like most people. And the electric, they'd say, and today the electricity goes off at 6pm. And 6pm on the dot, bang, it all went off. And you'd say, I was living in a bedsit at the time, and I can remember thinking, but we put up with it. We put up with it. We got through it. We got through it. Talking of getting through things, apparently I've been... I don't want to make such a big deal about this, because I'm deeply, deeply embarrassed. I've been put forward for the Sony Golden Headphone of the Year Award. To be honest with you, I mean, there's about as much chance of this happening as pigs flying and me eating a party barrel of Kentucky Fried Chicken while standing on one leg eating a crisp bread. So you can, you can vote... And it goes for the whole country, apparently. How I'm going to compete with some of these people on national radio stations is beggar's belief, but, nevertheless... I'm prepared to go along with this loopy idea that uh, at some point Steve Allen could get the Sony golden head. I quite like the idea of having golden headphones. I quite, I mean, that, that, that bit appeals to me, but I'm not naive enough to think that there are people who've got millions of listeners. But uh, the address is, 
if you if you want to vote. And and don't do it out of sympathy, please. It's sonygoldheadphones.com. Sonygoldheadphones.com. I mean, you know, take, take, take a look at it. I haven't... I'd never even heard of it, because apparently it's brand new. And if I got them, I'd sell them anyway. OK. <laughs> Sonygoldheadphones.com. But to say, how are we going to compete with somebody on a national radio stage with millions of listeners? It's just beggars believe. Perhaps they'll, out of a sense of duty, go, poor old soul, honestly. He gets up every morning at the crack of dawn. He might as well give him some sort of award, just mainly for living, I suppose, and breathing. So Sonygoldheadphones.com, and that's for the Sony Golden Headphone of the Year Award. It's a new one that they're putting into the, into the Sonys. It'd be nice to even be mentioned, wouldn't it, on something like that? But I, I'm under no illusion, Ladies and gentlemen, under no illusion. Uh, other stories in the paper today. This, this fit-as-a-fiddle graduate who collapsed and died running his first, first marathon. You see, that's what I think is the clue. First marathon, 23 years old. You have to work up to being fit. You cannot. And this, this boy was fit-as-a-fiddle, but, you know, you sometimes don't know what's going on inside the body. He sort of ran, and then he just collapsed. He was a self-confessed health freak. Now, many people do start running, and they think, oh, I could just go and run without training. You have to warm your body up. You have to do it. If you're going to do it, do it properly. Do it with a trainer. Don't just go out there and run. You know, that would be uh, awful. It'd be nice to think there'd be some people running in the marathon this Sunday who would be running in support. I know that all the numbers have been allocated now, but in support of those who lost their lives in Boston. That would be a nice thing to do, wouldn't it? And I hope that they would be mentioned, because so far, three people have died in the Boston Marathon explosion. Uh, 140 people have been injured. Some of the injuries are quite serious. I'm not sure if I'm expecting the death toll to rise, but I have a sneaking feeling by the end of today it might have gone up a little bit. But either way, it'd be nice to think that people ran the marathon in this country. If you're not running for anybody in particular, perhaps you could run for the Boston Marathon. And uh, that, that would be something nice, wouldn't it? Bruce Forsyth said he's going to move abroad. He hates this weather. He hates the weather over here. He's in keeping with a lot of people. They stay here for the summer whenever that is, and then they just leave the country and they go outside and they go, I just want to go and sit on a beach. Bruce is, what, 80-something now? 80-something, 85. He's still capable of presenting the show. Sometimes he has memory lapses. Sometimes, as Rona Cameron said, you know, we're irritating. Sometimes we're this. Sometimes we're that. Sometimes we get above ourselves. Sometimes we get carried away with it. We're all different Bruce is showing the signs of ageing. Nothing the matter with that. Nothing the matter with that at all. He's 85. He's still endeared on television. People still like Bruce Forsyth. You know, some of the younger people, they think they're, you know, people who can take his crown away. They can't. When he wants to quit, he'll quit. But he does say, I might move abroad to escape the British winters. Perhaps he could take Tess Daly with him and Vernon Kay. That'd be quite nice. Richard Arnold. Quite a number of Cheryl Cole. There's a whole list of people I could quite happily see abroad. We've got a special edition of the morning news this morning at 6.30 with Susan Bookbinder covering the explosions in Boston, two of them, and the implications on the marathon here, which is taking place on Sunday. Who is this by? This is, um... This is Damien Barr. Uh, he grew up gay... On a, on a tough Scottish estate, rescued from hell by a very unlikely heroine, the heroine being Margaret Thatcher. He secretly fell in love with Margaret Thatcher. Crocodile Dundee, and um, a lot of people... This is an Englishman in a bowler hat, and it ties in with Crocodile Dundee, which is Paul Hogan, and uh, they're looking for this Englishman, Philip 
Eglishaw, said to be the mastermind, mastermind behind a, a massive tax evasion scheme, is in hiding somewhere in Switzerland. He's apparently taken £22 million of Paul Hogan's earnings. I wouldn't have thought Paul Hogan earned that much money, but he did. £22 million in savings. They're all doing it, aren't they? We had loads of people. We had uh, Jimmy Carr, as you know, was using sort of offshore. I mean, there's all sorts of legal things that you can do now to protect your, your money. The best one appears to be set up a foundation. That's sort of legal, because you just channel all your funds into it, and then you take out your living expenses. The tax implications are fantastic if you've got enough money. I think Cheryl Cole's got a foundation. I think Elton John's definitely got a foundation. George Michael's got a foundation. Steve Allen does not have a foundation, but he wears loads of it. It's an old gag, and it's worth using on the programme this morning. So that's the way forward, I think, a foundation. And even, who was it to organise the uh, the Queen's... Royal Silver Jubilee All Singing All Dancing Music Fest was that Gary Barlow? Even he uses one of these uh, offshore things, but of course he didn't get pillory, did he? Unfortunately, like poor old Jimmy Carr, who's only doing what loads and loads of people do, who've got loads and loads of money, they try and protect it so that when they get old, they've got something to fall back on. Uh, actor Jared Butler broke his neck shooting fight scenes for a new film. He says, I've broken two little bones in my neck. My arm turned black from getting punched for two days. He says, you really feel like you're fighting terrorists. If you want to hear a super interview with Jared Butler, go to the LBC website. He was our guest for In Conversation. And, uh, of course, Mark Armand can be downloaded as well. You can download that. I did buy, you know that Mark is appearing at Wilton's Musical, coming up in, um, I think, about a couple of weeks' time. He's doing Ten Plagues. If you've never been to Wilton's Musical... It's Britain's only surviving musical. It's a little hidden gem in London. It really is. If you've never been there, go there. Soak up the atmosphere of something that is almost like... And they nearly lost money. Luckily, they've been saved. They've got money to keep Wilton's going. And Mark Armand is heavily involved. I think he's a patron. News at six. On FM, on Steve Allen. Morning, five past six. Tuesday morning in London town. Three people have been killed, over 140 injured after those two explosions at the Boston Marathon. Susan Bookbinder this morning. We'll have a full update on that. And Nick Ferrari just after the news at seven. Other stories running in the papers today. Well, that's the main story running on all the front pages. Uh, murder at the Marathon, the Metro this morning. The Marathon fears after the death blast. This is security in London, which has been stepped up. So they say, so far I don't think it has been, but the Marathon... Here, on Sunday, will be going ahead. So they say. 84850, steve at Some more of your texts and emails coming in uh, this morning uh, on the programme. Uh, one here, and this is from um, Cole. Uh, coal is a potential future fuel, is actually not redundant. 23 new coal-fired power plants being built across Germany says uh, somebody here. Very useful. Sadly, the coal will not be coming from this country. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought. Uh, Sophia says, strangely enough, the... Arge- oh, well, I'll tell you the other thing about Margaret Thatcher's uh, funeral tomorrow. They're silencing Big Ben. And I can't remember the last time they silenced Big Ben. St Paul's Cathedral, I know. Church- was it Churchill's? Blimey. Churchill's funeral was the last time they silenced Big Ben. So, presumably, there'll be no quarter two striking... Uh, at 11. There'll be no 11, quarter past, half past, quarter to, or 12. Presumably it's silenced all the way through until after the, the funeral. So I don't know how you silence Big Ben. Do they just sort of stop it? I said, well, they can't just stop it, actually. Of course they can't. They'll have to sort of then reset the clock again. So presumably there must be some way of actually stopping the striking of it. 
which will be very interesting. Plus, they're doing the muffling of St Paul's bells. How they do that, I've got no idea, unless somebody actually physically goes up and they have to put um, sort of bafflers onto the actual clappers of the bell. I don't, I don't know how that one works either. But uh, So last time was Churchill, when they actually silenced them. Uh, 84850. Uh, Cineworld Cinema in Haymarket uh, have actually got the Argentine Film Festival, which kicks off tomorrow. So as well as being Margaret Thatcher's funeral, the Argentine Film Festival kicks off. And uh, on the subject of... Uh, Rob says one here. He says eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co dot uk, and uh, uh, how do you think you get a shower in the morning? Uh, coal apparently. Really, this poor old sad Rob. Never mind. I mean, it's not your fault. You know, limited intelligence. Not your fault. It's, you know, that's it. <laughs> can't help people like that. You can't help people who, who don't quite understand. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc.co.uk. Nobody uses coal in this country. We don't bother mining it anymore, and I don't think we ever should. It was terribly filthy and dirty, and that's why it was uh, it was phased out. Rob, I can't expect you to know that. It's not your fault. No, some people know these things, some people don't. Uh, Keith in Leighton says, just got home after being out since midday yesterday. It's raining. Not round here. It's a beautiful day. And I think actually today is, uh, is going to be good, actually. Uh, Chris says, in Sunday's papers, Joey Essex says, all over Essex people chase him. They don't, because he's never in Essex, actually. Uh, where will Maggie Thatcher's coffin be kept before the ceremony begins? It's at uh, Parliament. I believe it's in the Undercroft. I think it's, uh, I think it's there now. I think, or it will be taken there later. That's where she's going from. She's going from the Undercroft, uh, as far as I remember. And so then it will go tomorrow. And don't forget those road closures in. Everybody will be expecting it. So you might as well, might as well get used to it, that the road closures are in from about two o'clock tomorrow morning. And the police presence will be out. The, the barriers are up already. They're already in place. They can uh, just close off the road. So the whole of Whitehall around Trafalgar Square will be all cordoned off. You won't be able to drive there. So if you need to get into work early tomorrow morning, you better make sure if you use this part of London, you've got an alternative route for coming in. Uh, my advice is just the other side of the Thames and you can come in further down. Uh, but it's no good coming in over Waterloo Bridge because that will all be closed off. So you might better come in over Waterloo Bridge, but then you'll have to go down to the Kingsway underpass and pop up the other side and come back on yourself. The buses will be diverted as well. All the full information will be on LBC 97.3. That will be tomorrow. From uh, probably about when, when Andy McCall gets in, we'll have all the, uh, all the updates for you, just so you know what's going to be closed. But just expect a lot of closures, and it will run through till after 12 I would think, for the whole duration, because the car's got to come back, go out to Mortlake Crematorium, which is just out heading to Richmond. So that will probably disrupt things on Hammersmith flyover around there, going out to Hogarth roundabout and off for a left up up to uh, Mortlake Crematorium. And then the car will be coming back, but I don't think that will make any difference at all to people because that will just be with the ashes and then they'll be heading for the Royal Hospital in Chelsea. So the, the route is up from Parliament Square all the way up Whitehall, turn right at Trafalgar Square, straight down the Strand, to the bottom, to the REF um, Church, which is at the top of Fleet Street. There the hearse will stop, the coffin will be transferred to the gun carriage, then it'll be that uh, short trip down Fleet Street, up to St Paul's Cathedral for the service, which will last, I would think, approximately 45 minutes to an hour. Um, then after that, the car, the, the coffin will be transferred back to the car, and then it will run all the way back out to Mortlake. 
And I'm not sure whether or not that will have a police escort. I'm assuming it probably will, just to go out there for the cremation, and then that'll just be private for the family. Unless, of course, you're expected to go out to Mortlake Crematorium because you might have a thing. I was saying to a friend of mine the other day, it's very strange, when you go past the cemeteries at night now, and I go past Mortlake on the, on the way out, it's amazing how many graves now have solar panels on them. So the grave lights up. It's a little bit like Del Boy in Only Fools and Horses, where they painted his, uh, his mother's uh, grave with luminous paint because they'd got it from, from, from um, I think it was from a railway siding. They'd managed to half-inch this paint. So they painted the whole statue with this luminous paint and it glowed like it had a mind of its own. But you do see that. When you go past cemeteries now, you see an awful lot of, of, uh, of graves that are lit up with these little solar panels. It's most disconcerting, but quite interesting at the same. They don't seem to have it in other countries. I've only ever noticed it here. Uh, fresh from being axed as Channel 5's Big Brother host, it appears that Brian Dowling has designs on a chat show. I think highly unlikely, actually. If you were axed from Big Brother for not being good enough, then certainly not going to give you a chat show. You've tried everything else, I'm afraid. Not so good. Lots of EastEnders stars this year signing up for Panto. Apparently the money on EastEnders isn't that good. People, people need to supplement their income. And pantomime, as they say in the business, is a really good payer. A really good payer. Uh, in France, critics of same-sex marriages were held yesterday for trying to set up a protest camp outside France's National Assembly. About 70 people were taken into custody in Paris as politicians voted to speed up the adoption of laws for gay people to tie the knot. Strangely enough, I, I, sp- I say strange enough, not strange at all, but it shows the times they are changing. On Jane Asher's website, her cake website, she has cakes uh, for same-sex marriages. So you get two grooms two, and on the top of the cakes. She does do some very interesting cakes. We were talking about Alzheimer's and we were talking about the abuse that people with Alzheimer's suffer and how people say, oh, they're drunk, they're this and that. She highlights the case of one particular lady queuing at the chemist for her medication. And the people behind her, because she started sort of leaning and swerving and all doing all this kind of stuff, people behind were heard to say, don't go anywhere near her, she's drunk, she's had drink. And, of course, she hadn't at all. She was just, she was just suffering because people have no control over themselves. We talk a lot about it. They've got... This week is, uh, is Awareness Week to make people aware of just, you know, how sympathetic you should feel to somebody. Don't just judge somebody and say they look drunk when they might exact uh, be experiencing uh, all sorts of symptoms. Some people take up to 25 or 30 tablets a day to try and control it. But it's, uh, it's very debilitating. And so far, there is no cure. So we need to pump as much money in as possible. But what they're doing this week is making people more aware and just being careful when you judge people. Sometimes you might see somebody getting out of a disabled car with a sticker on and parking and running across the road because they might be having a good day. But then an hour later, they might be having a very bad day. And so all they're pleading for is a bit more tolerance. 14 minutes past six. LBC 97.3. Morning 6.20, special edition of the Morning News with Susan Bookbinder today, covering the two explosions in Boston and the implications for the London Marathon here. So far, three people have been killed and over 140 people have been injured. We'll have the latest with reports from Boston this morning, just after 6.30. Nick will continue that after 7. Plus also looking at the story of the uh, three people who kicked and punched a homeless man to death. Uh, Two from the same family, their elder brother's already in prison for murder, and now their mother's been sent to prison for lying for them. A quite charming family, ladies and gentlemen. I shouldn't imagine they've ever done a day's work in their entire life. They could be finding out who's to blame for it.
It's, it's, it's a question I don't think any of us can answer. Plus, we'll be looking at youth violence in problem families. It's the fact that most of these people have got no idea how to bring children up. They have not a clue, I'm afraid. Uh, you've got li- you've only got nine less than nine minutes to go for the gadget giveaway this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yesterday, Alan Arnold from Hayes. I have to say it slowly because I'm just so worried I'm going to trip myself up over it. Uh, he knew that pumpernickel yesterday was a type of bread, and he got himself the fabulous mobile phone watch. Today, even more fantastic, as if that were possible. It's the gadget that everybody wants. To see it is to love it, is to marry it, is to take it home with you. The Apple iPad Mini, and you could be a winner. It could be your name we're reading out tomorrow morning on the programme, uh, provided you know the answer to today's question. So to get your hand on the Apple iPad Mini, I need to know what type of food is manchego. What type of food is manchego? To enter this competition, you text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, and then your answer. So it's gadget, and then manchego is and you put the answer down, and you send it to 84850. 84850. Write that number down, and then you, you won't ever forget it. You've got to do it before 6.30 this morning. Don't leave it too late, please, because if you send it after 6.30, uh, it will not be included, I'm afraid, but you may still be charged. The text will cost pound fifty plus your standard network rate. So full terms and conditions on lbc.co.uk. So... Get the entries in as quick as possible. What type of food is manchego? Text the word gadget, then your answer, and then send that to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. It has to get here before 6.30 this morning. So just in case there is a a backlog, uh, you may still be charged even if you send it after 6.30. Full terms and conditions on lbc.co.uk. I love the idea, actually, that, um, that that Sainsbury store was buying their their Warburton's Toasties at the Iceland store next door and then upping the price. I wasn't sure whether or not it was it was illegal. I suppose in theory you could do something. I remember going once to a craft fair and the bloke who was selling these, they were like um, advent calendars but made of wood and each one was a little door. And I knew where he got them for because Costco was selling them. And they were selling them for something like nine ninety nine. He was selling them for £26 each. And he'd bought a pallet full, but he had them hidden behind a curtain. So he had a few out there, and he was passing them off as if he'd made them. Which, of course, he hadn't. A lot of people in craft fairs buy the stuff in. You have to be very careful. And, and so it was very interesting to see this person sell it. And I thought, I've seen these before. Because I looked at them thinking that for Christmas... You could just put a chocolate inside each little door. And children would like that because they like advent calendars. It sort of makes them feel a bit more Christmassy each day leading up to the big special day. But it was the fact that I'd seen them on sale in Costco that <laughs> didn't didn't quite work for me. Uh, Steve says, Dave in Hampstead. I remember the three-day week. We worked 8am to 10pm, so it made no difference to productivity where I worked. And we got four days off. Thank you. Uh, 84850. Graham says, I thought you... Always gave Sarah Harding a tough time. Then I see her on television at the weekend. Even with makeup, she looked like she was in her 50s. I shall never doubt you again. Don't listen. I don't ever say anything for effect. I really don't say things for effect. If I say something, I stick by it, I'm afraid. Uh, the Argentine Film Festival. Thanks me uh, for the mention. You're very welcome. Obviously, we don't get a chance to mention different film festivals, do we? Apparently, the hairstyle of Helen Flanagan is called the Croydon facelift. Phil says, now you've mentioned the Golden Headphones Award. Uh, To be honest with you, I'm under no illusions about this one, Phil, whatsoever. I'm really not. It's it's so that people can vote. 
And apparently, I'm only mentioning it twice. I mean, it's, I mean it's, it's really, it's, you know, people on radio stations with millions of listeners go for this sort of thing. The SonyGoldHeadphones.com is the website. You can have a look at it. If you choose to vote, you choose to vote. You're voting for me. Thank you, Poppo. I've got two votes so far, so I'm a bit, bit excited by this. Um, uh, George, the Warburton's driver, he said, delivering in the Kingston area, he says, you haven't mentioned Blakely and Lampard's relationship. I did it yesterday. You're out of touch with that one. We, we actually did it yesterday, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850. Uh, Jay says, Andrew Marr is very fit. He jogged regularly in Richmond Park. The standard said he got a stroke due to a rowing machine exercise. <laughs> Of course. Well, I should imagine there were probably lots of contributing factors. That would be that would be one of them. Uh, eight four eight five zero. My favourite quote from Margaret Thatcher says, "David, when asked did she, what did she think was her greatest political achievement, she answered, New Labour." I, don't, I can't remember if that one's true or not. Al Pacino is seventy-two. I can't believe it. Seventy-two. Nick Ferrari having the uh, papers with him this morning, looking through the papers, is Quentin Letts, political columnist for the Daily Mail. Their front page headline this morning: "Murdered at the Marathon." Uh, the bombers launching the worst U.S. terror strike since nine eleven, and uh, all the pictures there. Most of the papers are carrying the same pictures because it was the marathon uh, and because it was Patriots Day. Uh, the bank holiday, lots of people were out on the street, and we don't know where this explosive device was. It could have been in a building behind, or it could have been under the stands. <coughs> Excuse me, either way, three people have died, and Susan Bookbinder will be bringing you up to date with uh, all of that news just after the news here on LBC 97.3 at 6.30 this morning. Two minutes left to get your entries in for the gadget giveaway, the iPad Mini. It's the kind of thing, I mean, I love all the gadgets that we've had on the programme so far. It's just I've never known the answers to any of the questions. I must be particularly dim this week. When it comes to food, though, I have no idea. A pie is a pie is a pie. And then they come up with a question for today for the gadget giveaway. What type of food is manchego? Manchego. You text the word gadget, then your answer, and send it to 84850. It's got to be here by 6.30 this morning. Don't make it arrive after 6.30. Text costs pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. Full terms and conditions at lbc.co.uk. Let me just clear up a, a couple of uh, extra texts and emails. Young Dan says, uh, I followed the link for the, for the Golden Headphones Award. Thank you. <laughs> Don't think I'm not grateful. I'm, I'm very, very grateful. Uh, and uh, Lord Ayres says, did you get Owly in the book of quotes? I did. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Claire. For that one. And uh, on the subject of bird baths, now is the time to clean and scrub your bird bath, apparently, says uh, Jackie. And she says it's baby bird season and they need fresh water. Yes, the, the one thing they don't need is the barking mad woman around Twickenham who dispenses seed all over the place. Really, we've got some of the fattest birds in living memory. Front pages of the uh, papers, very quickly, and let's, let's whiz through these uh, just before we leave you this morning. Uh, the Daily Mail, murdered at the marathon. The Times, bombs bring carnage to the end of the Boston Marathon. They're not saying it's a bomb, they're just saying it's an explosive device. The Metro, marathon fears after death blasts. Uh, the Daily Star today, bloodbath at the finish line, and they've got the second Cory Star on child sex charge. Uh, Daily Express this morning... Massacre at the Marathon, the Sun Marathon Slaughter. Two dead they had when they went to press, it's three dead now. And the Daily Mirror, the Marathon Bombers, they've said 12 fear dead. Three. Three so far. And uh, those are the papers. I'm back with you tomorrow. We'll have a free podcast for you up before 7 o'clock this morning. Nick and the team with you at 7. Next, 
on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. LBC 